This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, water everywhere. Okay, don't need to tell you. I mean, you'd have to be thick not to realise it's raining outside. They did forecast it last week. They did say from from Sunday it would rain and blow me down. They weren't wrong. One of the very rare times that they actually finally get something right, and it's tipping it down. Okay, so take it. There will be people going back home this morning who who, who don't have an umbrella. You know, who haven't got any sort of wet weather gear or anything like that. And you have to have it because it's, it's tipping down and it's very wet. And it means that the driving is not so, uh, not so brilliant. So just be careful. Just watch out for surface water. It's all over the place. And, of course, because the council are making cutbacks, uh, they haven't bothered to go round the drains and make sure they're not blocked with leaves, which, of course, 90% are. So that's why there's water, water everywhere. Otherwise, it would just sort of go down into the sewers. But it doesn't, because we've got old sewers. They go back to the Victorian times, and they haven't maintained them properly. And, uh, and they'll probably expect a bonus for working over the Olympics. So good news for all sewage workers. The bus drivers have said they're also, they're expecting a lot more money because it's, like, really stressful having to drive a bus full of people. It's unbelievable, that, isn't it? You know, it's like, do you think funeral directors should get extra as well? I'm voting for funeral directors. I mean, to have to carry dead people over the, uh, over the Olympic period, good God in heaven. Get extra money for it. Mind, oh, wait a minute, they do get extra money. They do get extra money. They make a lot of money, funeral directors. I wouldn't mind, but the person doesn't know that they're actually enjoying the sort of the thing. I mean, I'm quite look- looking forward to it. I'm hoping there is an afterlife. I'm secretly hoping that I'm able to sit on a cloud at my funeral and watch it all going on and just make sure... You should have been crying more. You're not crying, are you? You should be... De- why, why are you not... Why is that person... Why are they... What the dickens are they doing there? That's what I want to check. So I did remember my umbrella today, and, uh, and I came out, and it was tipping down. Which is great, because I watered all the baskets yesterday, because, you know, we've got 16 running at the moment. So we're running 16 baskets and about one, two, three, four, about another 10 sort of troughs and, and things like that to fill up as well. And so I did them all and then and I nearly drained the water up, which is fantastic because it's now full up to the top again. So uh, I'm, I'm really, really pleased, actually. Really, really pleased. Anyway, it's nice to uh, nice to have your uh, your company this morning. Trust your weekend went well. Good, good. It wasn't a, not a bad weekend, was it? The weather was actually quite good. We appeared to have another rally in Twicker. I say a rally, they were doing something on the water with, um, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was very good. And we had some food stalls out there. My God, they make a fortune. We had two, we, we went to the Thai food stall. Mike, Mike, the hairdresser and me, went down there. And all we had was two skewers of, of chicken, which they generally do with the satay, but we never got the satay, and two pork skewers, and two portions of sweet and sour chicken. 14 quid. 14. You need to take out a third mortgage for these people. It was quite nice. We had an ice cream afterwards. That was two pounds. But it was a proper ice cream out of a little man with a cart on. That was quite... I like that. That was very good indeed. Watch the television. John Warrington very kindly sent me uh, the the Jordan programme. Jordan's programme is back. Oh, oh, oh. Bliss. Bliss. It was so wonderful. It was so... She's even more dim this time round than she was... Last time, as if twere possible. This one, oh, I'll have to tell you about it later, because it's just so, so exciting. But actually, on the subject of reality shows, I did watch a little bit of Big Brother. Because, as you know, we're actually trying to find out why, why transsexuals want to drone on about their, their transsexual to anybody who'll listen. I mean, quite clearly, they're so boring as people that they have to sit and say, we have a transsexual, he's called Luke. Luke, of course, looks like a lesbian with short hair, but in fact he's got a bloke's voice, because he's quite clearly been taking hormones. And that's why the voice doesn't quite match up with the way he looks. And Luke thinks this is how blokes behave. OK, so he's gone in there. Now, he is not a complete operation. He's only had the hot bit removed, OK? And so he then has to tell everybody. 
and he has to go to Big Brother because the, the, these people just drone on about their operations and and why did he do it? Because I wanted to just make people... Nobody cares! We said last week we've tried desperately to explain to Luke, who must be three, three um, bits of wood short of a plank. I mean, he's not all there in the head, bless his heart. You know, it does look like a woman. And when he cozies up to women, I keep thinking, lesbian. You know, because that's what I'm thinking. It's a woman. To all into, it's a woman. It doesn't matter whether you think you were born in a different body. Physically, it's a woman. It's, it's, that's why when they had this, this, this couple in America, it's two women. But one of them has had an operation to become a dad, but has kept all the women's bits. Because you can't just remove everything. And so they go, oh, it's the first, uh, you know, um, what do they say? I can't remember what they called it. First, first sort of gay dad to have, you know, first man to have baby. It's not a man, it's a woman. It's not a, it's not a man at all in any way, shape or form. It doesn't even look like a bloke. And so you've got Luke on Big Brother. Anyway, leaving Luke aside, because I'm, I mean, I'm now hoping that we've kind of dealt with that. Because it's a bit tedious. Unfortunately, Andy Scott Lee's fiancé is in there. Andy Scott who? That's what I said. I didn't know who he was. And then I suddenly remembered he was part of the Scott Lee's. Lisa, his, his sister, is in the, the, um, the stabbing group. You know, the ones who stab each other in the back. Steps. That's it. I couldn't remember who they were, actually. The ones who all hate each other. And that's, of course, very amusing for the rest of us. And Andy Scott Lee is part of the brother Scott Lee. And he's got this fiancé who, quite clearly, in another life, sold stories about celebrities she'd been with. It was nothing compared to the, to the, the voodoo doll herself who turned up, the one who we kicked out, the bleach-blonde woman who's 41 and who was just awful. I mean, I'd, I'd never seen anybody so vile in my entire life. Oh, I tell a lie, Brian Dowling was hosting the programme, and unfortunately, the fat boy fat hasn't improved since last time he round. Last time he was on the programme, trying desperately to hold things together, and of course now, he's the same person, he's just fatter, but hasn't been to, to, to school to learn. He's a bit like the Matt Baker school of broadcasting. You just think you sit there and you spout off and people find it entertaining. It doesn't work at all. Brian Dowling's never had a programme that's rated in his life. They've all been dropped, systematically. You know, whereas Matt Baker, who presents the ghastly one show where he patronises everybody on it, when he, when he does the Country file show, he's good. He's actually OK on that because he knows what he's talking about. He's in the country, so leave him out there. There's no point in trying to run before you can walk. So anyway, so you've got this, this bleach-blonde woman who's 41, who gets kicked out. Nobody likes her in the house. Nobody likes her at all. And I'm not at all surprised. She's vile. I mean, she really is, out of all the people I've ever seen on there, what a nasty piece of work. Horrible. Stuck up. I mean, and then she pops up in the Sunday papers because I suddenly remembered who she was. In a previous existence, she claimed she'd had relationships with lots of high-profile people, including Simon Cowell. Then I remembered who she was. She's another bimbo who turns up on the television. She's another look at me, look at me, look at me kind of girl. But it was very entertaining. So we sort of kicked her out. Unfortunately, because of the weather, they moved the, the people inside. Have you seen the audience of Big Brother? Oh, every reject. Every person who's got a peculiarity. The people with the bad haircuts. The women with the piercings and the tattoos. Please cut here around their neck. They all sitting there in the audience. And Brian Dowling, who's just... You know, even as a trolley dolly, he was too gay. You know, out of trolley dollying, I think, you know, too gay, I'm afraid, and just not very good. And so they interview these people in the audience, some of whom sit there looking a little bit like, duh, and they sort of stare into the cameras because, they're so, because they don't want to spoil the haircut. And they're all there, the tattooed women, the people who couldn't get into the nightclubs. They stick them on Big Brother 
Oh, and Natalie Cassidy. We like Natalie Cassidy because fat girl fat pops up on just about everything nowadays and then writes about it in a column because she's got nothing else to talk about. And uh, she's on there. And it was really exciting. And so I was watching that. And they bring them all indoors. And then they bring on this sort of this bleach blonde bimbo who proceeds, who, who isn't even articulate. She didn't like anybody in there. She didn't understand the experience. I don't know why they, 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 they talk about it as an experience. Three days. She was at three days is now an experience, ladies and gentlemen. You'd be delighted to know that three days is ex- life-changing experience, goes Brian Dowling. Which, to be honest with you, anything apart from, can I put that in the overhead locker for you, taxes him. You know, I, I don't really want to sort of, you know, knock Brian Dowling because I think he does it quite well by himself. When you think that his best friend is Vernon Kay, you're roughly in the same charm school. Both idiots, both can't present on television. But still entertaining. Mind you... When I started cutting the papers on Sunday, trying to find things to talk about, thinking, I don't want to talk about the weather. I really, you know, I think the British preoccupation with the weather is the most dull, boring thing that I've, I've ever discovered. You know, people are preoccupied with it in this country. You go, all oh, the weather. Every time you go in anywhere, they go, oh, Steve, weather today, terrible. And you go, yeah, it's Britain. We have, we have weather like this. I love it. I can't get enough of bad weather. I know if you live out of town, you know, there's trees. I mean, if you live in Wales and you're on a caravan site, there's a very good chance you can watch next door floating down the river. It's quite funny, actually. I was watching it on the television and they went, and a caravan site in Wales has flooded. I thought, there is a god. There is a god at long last. 150 people were airlifted to safety. I think onto the roofs of the caravans. I'm not really sure, actually. And then I looked at it, I think, who in their right mind would want to live on a caravan park? Who in their right mind, lady? And I looked at it and it, it deserved to be swept away. It did. In, 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 in terms of rain, I'm thinking, perhaps we could have something pretty, like a bluebell wood or something like that, or some daffodils or something, something exciting. Not a caravan park. Although I have been in a caravan, so, I mean, I'm, I'm actually one of those very, very good people who actually could talk about both sides of the fence. Carol Malone's column today was talking about um, uh, the girl. You remember the girl who gets on the bus? And the only reason I mention this is because they followed it up in the papers today. And she was 20 pence short. And the bus driver said, no, I'm not letting you get on. And so, she, so nobody would help her on the bus for, for 20 pence. Everybody stares out the window. You know, looks out the window like that. Anyway, she gets off the bus and sadly she gets attacked and raped. They've caught the man. And as she says here, I shouldn't imagine that the bus driver is going to be sacked, suspended or even punished. Now, I've been on a bus before. I've been on a bus before, and somebody's gone, you know, they go beep, 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 and their card doesn't work. Now, sometimes the driver will let them get on, knowing that they're they're fraudulently using it, and they're actually on the bus for free. And I got really, really fed up. I took a picture of a bus driver, and I've sent it in to them, because the bus driver, somebody gets on, it goes beep, 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 so they tried again. Beep, 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 beep. And I'm sitting there thinking, why are we wasting time with this bloke? He hasn't got any money. Get off the bus. The bus driver goes, that's OK, you can get on. And I hate bus drivers who stand there chatting. I told you last two weeks ago we had a Polish bus driver. It's only I only mention it because we've, we've started getting some Polish bus drivers. And the woman who was who was chatting to him was Polish as well. It could have been his wife, could have been. and she's chatting to him while he's driving the bus. And I'm thinking there's like a hundred of us on this bus. Stop talking. So I took a picture of them too. I'm quite happy to do things like that. And bother. You've got to do your duty. I'm afraid. You know, a good sneak is a safe sneak, and I like it. You know, it's great today. If I see some... I mean, today, we all had to sit at Piccadilly Circus while some cab driver waited in, in line so he could get up next to pick up some more drunks from outside the so-called casino. Because he didn't care less that there were six cars piled up behind him hooting. He just sat there, stubborn little so-and-so, while we had to wait there. And I'm thinking, why don't you just drive around the block, pal? Because we can't go anywhere while you're sitting there. So he's half on the pavement. Bozo. People really get me going. And then, what did I discover from the paper? I'm not happy with my bum lift. Who do you think that is? 
After, when I read the headline, I was tr- I, I, I deliberately put my hand over, over the picture. Not that it would have helped, because I had no idea who they were. I wanted it to be bigger. I'm not happy with my bum lift. I wanted it to be bigger. And I thought, who would be that inarticulate? Who would be that much, that much of, of a kind of person you'd think, you saddo? Chloe Sims from The Only Way is Essex. She's had a bum lift. I'm assuming they've stuck it on her face. Because I'm looking at her face here and it does look remarkably so. I mean, if ever you want to, you know, see real unattractiveness, here she is. But no, it gets better. Front page of OK Extra really kind of made my weekend. Christine Bleakley. I hi I'd never thought I'd find the man for me. Droning on about the fact that she quite clearly doesn't have a job. So she's advertising something. She's a bit like Kelly Brook without the looks. I mean that in a caring way. I'd really do. This is L7.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 18 minutes past four, 18 minutes. Victoria Azerman is the woman who was kicked out, the blonde bimbo who didn't seem to get on with anybody at all. And uh, she last night how she's been close to Simon Cowell for years but refused to deny they were lovers. Darling, nobody cares. Really nobody cares. I know, in fact, a lot more about her than meets the eye because it turns out that I know her via a mutual friend. I don't know her. I just know what what she does uh, via mutual people. And um, she used to model under the name Vicky Lee because it's a real class name, isn't it? And unfortunately, she's just turned out... They hated her in the Big Brother house. She was horrible. I mean, she was so horrid that that at one point she went into the bed and she said, I don't care about any of you. And she sort of flounced off. I'm thinking, you're making yourself look stupid. She wanted to go to start with, so I'm assuming it was just an excuse to... I mean, not even in there long enough to try and launch a career, because I never thought she had a career. She does something with saving dogs now. I like uh, Gordon Ramsay. He reckons that prison is so cushy, you can't believe it. And I totally agree with him. You know, you, you, you don't go into prison for punishment now. You go, you go into prison so you can have some meals and, uh, and you just sort of sit round. One went in gay, came out gay. The other one went in straight, came out gay. You know, because that's, that's the way it was. Kevin O'Sullivan... Did a, a lovely thing here. What was he... T- oh, that's right. He was talking about Katie Price. Now, I'm going to have to go into this a bit a bit more detail later on because John Warrington sent it to me and he, he sent me two. He recorded things for me on, on hard disk. One was All the Queen's Horses, which came from Windsor, which was a fantastic... Pr- and had me in tears. I wrote to him. I said, I'm in tears watching it. It was so good. It, you know, the Queen cl- quite clearly abs- adores horses, so I thought that was brilliant. And then I, saw, I, I opened the bottle of Pinot Grigio because I thought I'm going to actually sort of... I'm going to need to enjoy a bottle of wine whilst watching Katie Price. And so here it came on, Sky Living's TV masterpiece, Katie. Our cup runneth over, ladies and gentlemen. It was absolutely wonderful. In a bold maternal initiative, as caring Jordan unveiled her new protective policy to shield her overexposed kids. I'm trying to keep them as private as possible, drawls the monotone voice one. I mean, she seriously sat there, having put them on every single programme since time immemorial. Now I'm trying to keep them as private as possible. So what does she do? She showed us their bedrooms. She showed us their bedrooms. I couldn't believe the rank stupidity of this poor brainless bimbo who then showed us her new house, showed us the fact that there was nobody in it apart from her, even though there were about six cars outside because she's a bit needy. Okay, and uh, and then she showed us the horse walker outside and it's very private and nobody can see her or anything like that because unfortunately Jordan has got this preoccupation with the paparazzi. Nobody's interested in this old has-been. You know, she, get, she she was standing there having a photo. Shoot. Are there any paps outside? 
there was one, and the reason he was there is they quite clearly phoned him, because otherwise, how would you know where she was going to be? They tell them, and she goes, the paps are out there, and she walks outside shielding her face. A woman who makes her living, you know, being photographed in nightclubs. I don't see her being photographed in a nightclub, three sheets to the wind, putting her hand over her face. Over her mouth, yes, but that's only because she can't speak properly. So she sits there and says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, show my children on the television. The good news is, though, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to see the children, they're available on Peter Andre's show. He's happily exploiting them, as m- but he loves his children. He loves his, Pete loves his children. So much so, he wants to put them on the television all the time. My advice to the kids is get a lawyer, sue both of them, Okay, Get some money out of it for exposing you. So uh, don't worry, because you'll see them frolicking in the hot tub over on Pete's show. So Mummy's not putting them on, but Daddy's more than happy to stick... Because otherwise Daddy hasn't got any any show. There isn't anything for Daddy to do. Daddy sits there. What does Daddy do? Daddy doesn't do anything. Perhaps he could go around cleaning the cafe a bit more often. That'd be nice, isn't it? But uh, anyway, so, um, all this, so and, and this one, this was, I think, the Oxford debate, where Jordan, quite clearly the laziest woman in the entire world, had done no research, and even her researcher in the car said she thinks she can wing everything. Unfortunately, on this one, she just came over as even more stupid. Than she, but she won, mainly because I think they, they were just laughing at her. She didn't realise that. And, and yet, what did she get most upset over? In the whole programme, there's always got to be a Jordan stamping a little foot. First of all, she upset the, uh, the gay makeup artist, Gary Cockrell, uh, by saying that he's now got hair extensions. And apart from that, he wears makeup all the time. Well, I thought he looked a little bit like a faded Thunderbirds puppet. And we now know that this sort of used to be a coal miner, and now he does makeup for all the big stars. Well, Jordan, anyway. That's about the only thing that keeps him going, poor soul. And he wears makeup himself, which I find somewhat peculiar, and, and he's got hair extensions. And, you th- and, then, and he tried to stop the camera filming them, because they're quite clearly quite bad close-up. I mean, I didn't know. I just, I just thought it was badly bleached hair. But there you go. Anyway, all of that to one side. No, what did Jordan lose her, her temper over? Apart from the fact that she has no timekeeping whatsoever. They were waiting for her to come and look at a handbag. And she was three hours late. Three hours. I mean, I'd, when she got to the door, I'd have opened it and gone, why don't you just and shut the door again? I'd have just thrown, the, thrown a bucket of water over the old thing. Anyway, so she gets there. She goes to an interview on This Morning with Philip Schofield and uh, some other woman. And, um, and what was the question that upset her the most? What did she really have? The biggest strop over in the entire... I mean, I thought, you're even more sad and insecure than I thought. Are you thinking of retiring? Well, she went off on one. She went off on one. Stupid Stupid woman. Unfortunately, the programme has run out of steam after first episode. Everybody's agreed. There isn't anything... Because if she doesn't put the kids in it, what's the point of watching? She's either having a makeup done, big rollers put in that fake hair of hers, or she's taking the Mickey, quite easily done, over the, uh, over the gay uh, makeup artist. I mean, that's, and that's the whole programme. Because we've seen the house, we've seen the kids' bedrooms, and quite clearly it's a show house. Because everything was per- there was not a there was not a not a plate in the kitchen. There was nothing. It was all little bits of flowers. And, and she said, "Oh, my, my house is really lived in." I thought, "I don't think so." I don't think so. This looks like it's been sort of done for the cameras. So, unfortunately, Jordan failed miserably. People watch on the first one, but click again, because you don't do anything. So, going back to the bus driver and the 20 pence, they've decided today in the papers to go round and try. Put women on buses and say they're short of the money. How many bus drivers let them on? I'll tell you a little bit later on. But I've seen bus drivers before, and it would be quite easy, wouldn't it, to get on a bus and go, listen, I don't don't have... um, I don't have enough money. 
And they then go, well, you're not getting on the bus. I mean, how was the bus driver to know that this woman was going to be attacked? Answer is, he wasn't. What he was doing is probably following company law, which is nobody gets on the bus unless they've paid for the ticket. You know, so you're 20 pence short. I mean, it's not up to the bus driver to sit there and go, sorry, does anybody want to lend a 20 pence? You get on the bus and you find 20 pence. I mean, it's, it's not up to him to do that. I have to defend them because it's, it's just one of these things that can probably upset a lot of people. I understand, you know, as Carol Malone says, you know, that, that, that this bus driver should have used his discretion and let her on. But how? How can he? He has rules to follow. It's not his fault that somebody gets on the bus and they don't have to. I mean, to be honest with you, who hasn't got 20 pence? Who actually gets on the bus and has got the bus fare but minus 20 pence? I mean, it's, you know, if, if he then gives her 20 pence, he could probably get into trouble because they don't know. All they know is they're short 20 pence. All right. And so, unfortunately, in this case because I think it happens probably a lot, where people get turned off buses. You know, she was unfortunately in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's a chance in a million that somebody, you know, actually got attacked, and she did, and that's why they've made such a brouhaha about it. The bus driver said he's acted outside of company policy. What, they, they're supposed to give them the money to get on the bus? Well, so if you get on the bus, you haven't got enough money, they let you get on, do they? Blimey, that's brilliant. So don't bother paying on buses anymore. Okay, when you actually get on a bus now, just go, I haven't got enough money, and just get on it. Because it kind of makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Can't see that working out very well. The drivers are well known for looking after people, and apparently there have been many examples. You see, the trouble is, but you don't know, do you? If it's an elderly person, I could understand that. An elderly person gets up, but they've all got cards. They've got travel cards. And she gets on the bus. And that, that, I mean, they, there are lots of cases of doing this, but you can't take advantage of bus drivers... You can't just get on a bus and go, can you pay for me so I haven't got enough money? Because I might be attacked if I get off the bus. They don't know that. That's the trouble, isn't it? I was in the fish and chip shop yesterday in Twickenham. Saturday. Saturday? Friday. Saturday. And there's an old lady in there. And the girl behind the counter, the old lady said, what, what, what can I have for £3.80? And I thought, oh, oh. And she had £3.80. I reckon she's always got £3.80. But anyway, so the girl behind the counter said, I'll, I'll do your fish and chips. Even though fish and chips was £4.50, she gave it to her for £3.80. And I thought that was really nice. I thought that was a very touching thing. I thought that was one of the nicest things I'd seen. Because, you know, if it's an old person, and they're, they're, and she said, what, what, what can I have for... F-? You know, I mean, anybody else has got... Well, you can have a sausage in batter and a large portion of chips, and you get a pound back. But no, she gave her fish and chips. And this old lady turned round and I've, my heart bled. I was going to give her the whole money. I said, I'll pay for that. That's what I was going to say. I didn't say anything at all. I kept my mouth shut. Not that stupid. Don't every pensioner coming round going, Steve Allen will buy your fish and chips every dummy's in the shop. But I, I, I thought, what a nice thing to do. That was a nice thing. I, and so I, I bought some chips, not for me, for the boys in Paul Cooper's shop. And it was £1.80 and I gave her 20 pence tip. She went, oh, thanks, really. Thanks. For-. And I felt like saying to her, that's because you were really nice to that old lady a minute ago. That was a nice charitable act. And if I find the person who won the 63.9 million, I'll throttle them, because it should have been mine. Well, the moment they actually said, they said, and the £63 million winner has not come forward for Friday night. I thought, it's me. Please, God, it's me. Please, God, it's me. I've already half spent it anyway. I've had a word with the bank manager, and so they've allowed me to go on overdraft, and I'm up to about fifteen million. And I don't really like to go any further at the moment because it's looking a bit mean because I can't pay it back. And I've seen a house that I, I, I like the look of, and it's twenty-two million. And so I put in an offer on the strength 
of the fact that I was going to win this 63.9 million, because we had to share it with somebody from Belgium, of all places. And uh, I don't know why, I can't bear the Belgian people, can I? I don't like the French either. Actually, actually, there's nobody we like, really, throughout the world. They don't like us either, so it doesn't make any difference. They just come here for the benefits. And so, and I thought to myself, I'll, I'll have a look at this house. And it was, and it was, it was 22 minutes. And, I, and, then, I, and then I stupidly made a big mistake, because I had three notifications from Camelot, three notifications that my tickets on Friday night were winners. I can't tell you. With mounting excitement, and it doesn't happen very often at my age, I logged in, and up it came. £23.60. pence. You're taking the Michael. So I wrote back to Camelot, don't waste my time. Unless it's £63 million, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. They haven't replied, because I have a horrible feeling I'm talking to a machine. But either way, somebody at the moment is sitting in this country on £63 million. And t- to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't be happier for you. I re- I'm so happy for you, because there's a bloke in the paper who missed it on £109 million. Why? Because he only had enough money to do two of his lines, and the winning line was the third one. How I laughed. Ha, <laughs> 4.30. With Steve Allen. Morning, Monday morning, wet, miserable... That's just in here, outside. I don't know what it's like. It's probably sunny, sunny, I should imagine. But uh, you're going to get very wet today. My advice is take an umbrella, OK? But I know that later on I will see people walking through London absolutely drenched, looking like the proverbial wet meerkats because they've forgotten to heed the advice from LBC 97.3. But it's nice to have your company. I hope you had a, a really, really good... Mine was excellent. It was really very, very good. Pro- I mean, it was, you know, just even, even watching the Jordan programme, I was watching it in disbelief, trying to phone people in between, saying, are you watching this? And suddenly realised, of course, they weren't, because I was watching it on a, on a disc, which didn't help. But it was so funny. Poor, poor Jordan, her dream... Anyway, so she, she, she dies on her proverbial at the Oxford Union, where she's been inspi- invited to speak... And unfortunately, she follows Boris Johnson's sister, who, of course, is very, very articulate. I think she was the editor of The Lady or something like that. And she wipes the floor with her and she makes some comment about Jordan. Of course, Jordan, who's so insecure, you've only got to say, God, you're looking haggard or you're about to retire. And she goes into meltdown. So you must write to her and tell her that you're looking forward to her retirement from whatever job it is she thinks she's got. And so she sits in the back of the car and she suddenly realises when she actually gets to the Oxford Union that this is like grown-up territory. This isn't a lot of sycophants sitting around going, all right, all right, you've got nice boobs, in you? Like your hair. Where was it grown? You know, that kind of thing. So here she's with intellectual people and she can't string two words together. She cannot, I mean, it's, it's, you sit there thinking, you know, I know three-year-olds that can speak better than you. It was just, it was humiliating for her. And that, that, that formed the basis of the whole programme. She didn't really do anything. She went to look at some handbags and then sort of wandered off in this ghastly pink thing. And then a few half-hearted people waved at her. And, uh, and then she had her obsession with, are the paps there? Are the paps there? And I'm thinking... You really are very insecure, and I feel, I feel a bit sorry for you, because she's obviously very lonely. And, of course, in this one, she wasn't with the, uh, the boyfriend, you know, the one who doesn't speak English. And she doesn't have him at the moment. He's actually doing the Argentinian version of uh, Strictly Come Dancing. If you're listening, Jordan, I hear he's got his eyes on a couple of the women over there. Because that really drives her mad. She loves that kind of thing. If there's one thing that drives her mad, it's telling her that somebody's got a wandering eye. In the case, of course, the last husband, Alex, it's a case of into women's clothing. He's not looking at the woman, he's looking at the clothing, thinking, I'd look nice in that, which is good. Jay says the driver can give you an IOU card. He certainly shouldn't have put her off at that time of the morning. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, somebody else says it was 3am, surely a time for discretion. But I don't know. You know, if I was a bus driver and somebody gets on, they don't have to... I mean, to not have 20 pence... 
is a bit stupid in this day and age. I mean, surely everybody, you fumble around. I mean, come on, ladies, you've got pan bags. There's bound to be an odd 20 pence in the box, even if you go through it. I don't believe it. I was 20 pence short. You know, come on, for goodness sake. You're getting on a bus. I mean, I don't know how much a bus fare costs nowadays because I've got an, an Oyster card. But I just sort of think to yourself, all right, so maybe he should have shown a bit of discretion. But then does he show it to everybody? I mean, I've seen bus drivers doing acts of kindness, and I think it's it's quite good. But, I mean, how was he to know what was going to happen? You know, nobody. Uh, Jay says, was Brian Dowling a proper trolley dolly? Yes, he was. He worked for Ryanair, yes. When I say proper, he just minced up and down and did teas and coffees, and that was about it, I think. And uh, it, it's not classy enough for BA or Singapore Airlines. Um, well, he was, he was still a trolley dolly. But obviously, he was an unhappy trolley dolly. And that's why he had to... He went on to... Uh, whatever show it was he did first all, which must have been Big Brother, which he won twice. He went back in as a sort of a silent kind of a celebrity version. Unfortunately, all, all Brian Dowling has done is just eat cakes and pasties and got fatter and fatter. And 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 the, and the suits, he's... I don't know, why did he buy a suit that fits? Is he too tight? Or perhaps, perhaps there isn't any budget? I assumed, having seen the, the studio that they were using on Channel 5, that there can't have been any budget for a studio because it looked like the play school set. It was, it was a little bit... Uh, Worrying. A little bit worrying. Uh, 84850. On the subject of Luke, there's an, an interview with his wife. It starts, Luke's wife is very proud of him sharing his story, and then goes on to say, I never had an issue with Luke's secret. Mm. But it's two women. I know I know. he's saying he's, 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 he's tranny, and he says, heirs. I mean, really, it's 2012. And he was going, oh, I think three of the people in the house might have an issue with me. Why? What a shallow little world you must live in, Luke. What a shallow world. Nobody's bothered anymore. It's like a yawn, yawn, yawn. Oh, look, here, here is a gay trolley. To, oh, my God, how dull. Here is a gay makeup artist. No! Here's a gay MP, really. You know, that kind of thing. People aren't shocked anymore. Nobody's bothered. Heaven's above you. If you saw somebody with four legs and two heads walking down the street, I wouldn't care less. I really couldn't care. I'm not bothered about people. It's when they go on about it all the time. You know, and Luke is just a bore, and so sits there, only happy when he's talking about himself and everybody's sitting there hanging on every word. You know, maybe because they're looking at him thinking, you do look like a woman, don't you? you just got short hair and it's the voice. But the rest of it, and he said, oh, I, I really want to get in the pool, but I can't. You think, you've gone on Big Brother, every single episode of Big Brother has had a pool in it. Are you that stupid? Are you that thick that you go, oh, I'd love to get in the pool, but I can't because I've got scars? Well, put a T-shirt on. Oh, these people make such obstacles for themselves, don't they? They really do. But he's dreary, so I think we actually have to sort of just kick him out. Kick him out. So anyway, sort of being kicked out, there's this bloke who's in the papers today. I've only got his word for it. That he's got three lines on the lottery. And he has, he's had, has them on his little card, but he could only afford £4 because he hasn't got any money. And so, so he actually put forward two of the lines, but the winning line unfortunately, was the one underneath that he didn't have the money for. And that was the one that could have won 109 million. Oh. <laughs> tough. It's tough. Camelot said, oh, he must be feeling a bit gutted. I bet he is. I bet he is. How funny was that? I mean, to be honest with you, it, it could have been anything, couldn't it? I'm a little bit disappointed. Some of the papers today, because they can't find anything to write about, are saying Charles should be king. Why? We've just celebrated the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. And I think he's proved, over and above everything, he's not fit to be king. He's not, we like the Queen. That's what we've just celebrated. We didn't celebrate Charles. 
And so what they've actually done now, they, they've decided in a couple of papers to do, you know, let, let's get some money out of you to do one of those premium rate phone lines. You know, should Charles be king? And the answer is no. We've got the Queen. She's already said she's not going to step down. We absolutely love the Queen. We like Charles. Bits of bits of Charles we like. He's OK. But to be honest with you, we want the Queen. And also, the British mother, you know, the one facing the death penalty for the £1.6 million worth of drugs, she sealed her own fate. She sealed her own fate because she said here she did do it, but in a desperate bid to try to save her son's life. It's kind of like admitting you were drug smuggling, dear. Nobody's interested. Nobody is remotely interested in the reason why somebody smuggles drugs. I couldn't care less. I'm not remotely interested. It's the fact that you, that you were smuggling drugs worth 1.6 million. And that's the thing that kind of, you know, that makes people sort of cringe a little bit. So I'm afraid I'm not, not interested, Lindsay Sandiford. Um, she was hauled in front of the world's press, as you know. She said, I know what I did was wrong, but what choice do you make? I wish I'd never done it, but my boy's life was threatened. Look at me, I'm not a gangster. Darling, I'm sorry, but you are. You've got £1.6 million worth of cocaine in a suitcase. You are a drug smuggler. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking she's not going to face the death penalty. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there'll be some intervention. And again, she'll be another drug smuggler who actually gets off scot-free because she's come up with some crackpot story about she did it to save her son's life. Apparently, her, uh, her, she claims her peaceful idyll was shattered early this year when she received a call from her son, Elliot, who begged her for help. He said he was on the run after receiving death threats from a drugs gang. Oh, so there's drugs in the family. Ah, that's why. That's why. Now you know. So I'm afraid, you know, if, if I was the Balinese, I'm afraid I don't think they're going to be... I mean, I think that the government will intervene and they'll say, send her back here and she can serve her sentence here. But in truth, the Balinese will be going... She's got to face the death penalty. She's admitted that she was smuggling. It doesn't matter for what reason. It, it really, the, the reason is totally immaterial. It's the fact you've got it. It's like, I only raped this person because. There is never any excuse. There is never any reason under God's earth that you could come up with that you could smuggle £1.6 million worth in, which would cause heartache, misery and death to many hundreds of people. So for that reason, I think she has to pay the price. I'm not saying that she should face the death penalty, because I think we, we've proven in the past, haven't we, that even when people know there is a death penalty, they don't, it, it doesn't seem to deter them. They don't think, oh, well, I won't do that because, it, because there is a death penalty. I did it to save my son. Well, why didn't you talk to him as opposed to then all of a sudden you get yourself involved? How you go from my son phones me to say he's being threatened by people from a drugs gang and then I end up going through Balinese customs with £1.6 million? Worth of cocaine. I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. I wouldn't know where to start. Can you just go out to a phone box, you think, out here on the Charing Cross Road, pick up the phone and go, is anybody want some drug smuggling through Bali? I don't know how you do things like that. But she claims she was instructed. She said a man called her in India, telling her to go to Bali to do a job. And uh, apparently uh, she later received an anonymous call from a man who accused Elliot, her son, of being a police informant. Where did they get this woman's phone number from? Is she in the phone book under drug smuggler available? Anyway, so she went to there. She claimed she was instructed to first fly to Bangkok. She picked up a suitcase with cocaine concealed in a secret compartment. Sniffer dogs immediately detected the drugs when she arrived in Bali. She's being held in a notorious jail, the rat-infested Kerabokan prison. So? <laughs> Who cares? 
She's a drug smuggler. I couldn't care less where she was being held upside down by her ankles. She's a drug smuggler. The fact she's a woman doesn't make it any better. People think drug smugglers, tattooed blokes, you know, and, and then you get guilty. When it's a woman, oh, it's a woman. Oh, that's all right. You're joking. Definitely not. She claims she's been tortured. You're a drug smuggler. Deprived of food and sleep and had a gun held to her head to persuade her to take part in a sting to trap other members of the operation. So she did. So she named them. So they've been named and, of course, they're all pleading their innocence. As indeed people do when you're accused of stuff like that. It's drugs. It's drugs. You don't mess around with drugs and the Balinese. You don't go to Singapore and spit chewing gum on the street because they'll whack you in prison straight away. You don't go to Dubai and behave inappropriately by having sex with somebody and groping them in the back of a taxi because you pay the price because unless you're very stupid, you've seen stories in the papers. And if you've seen stories in the papers, then you should be aware of it. It's not difficult. I know that, you know, if I go to Singapore and spit and drop chewing gum on the streets, I'm going to be arrested by the police. I know that, so I don't do that. It's as simple as that. 84850, uk. The nursery rhymes have been sanitised. Actually, I, t- I, I did watch the other, I have to mention it because it's so funny. I went on to uh, YouTube and I, uh, I was watching Rizzle Kicks doing their... It's, it's, I, I can't even remember what the song is. Mama Don't Something, anyway, whatever it is. And it's got two women sitting at a table, but they're mouthing the words of the song. It's really good. It's, it's got James Corden who pops up at the end, which isn't so great, but he dances and he dances. He dances a bit like Robbie Williams, who can't dance at all. And, and then in the paper the other week, because we had the, um, the um, funeral of Robin Gibb, and who pitches up? Peter Andre. Hoping it wasn't with a film crew. That would be extremely tacky, wouldn't it? No, not even Peter would go that low, I'm afraid. But uh, anyway, uh, I didn't see points of view. They got slated over the Jubilee coverage, says Paul. Well, so they should. So they should. It was so funny. So funny because Fern Cotton was droning on the other day about, uh, you know, people saying, and anybody who criticises her faultless work is nothing but a huge bully. Unfortunately, as somebody put, she was, she was targeting men, men who bully me, she said in the media. No, everybody in the country was bullying you, darling. They weren't bullying, they were telling you you're chronically awful at doing that job. You were so awful. And then she proudly told us on Twitter that she's worked very hard to get where she is and she comes from a working-class family. Let me just point out that the working-class family just included the former BBC One controller, Bill Cotton. Just thought I'd mention that, you know, just in case maybe Fern has forgotten her ancestry. But uh, dreadful presentation. Everybody said it. Absolutely awful. And Carol Malone has said, no, no, it isn't just men are saying that. Everybody's saying it. Everybody's saying it. You're a terrible presenter. You're fine when you're just sort of, you know... You're fine when you're just sort of doing some vacuous interview at the back of a pop thing where you're wandering around a field. It doesn't involve much intelligence. You're a bit Dermot O'Dreary. You know, nobody can quite understand, listening to his radio programme, how the hell he ever got one. And she's the same, voice like a foghorn. You know, perfectly pleasant. Don't get me wrong, perfectly pleasant. Just not cut out for doing royal wedding stuff. They need people with some gravitas. People who know what they're talking about. People who should have checked. People who should have given them facts and figures. I mean, to listen to poor Matt Baker trying to... I mean, quite clearly, no effort put into it whatsoever, and that was patently obvious. I mean, he didn't even know how to address the Queen. He really did. I mean, it, it was so, so awful. I was, I was reading uh, a piece in one of the papers today, and I can't remember. Was it, was it Carol Malone? It might have been Carol Malone. She was, she was talking about, um, where was she talking about? Oh, she did talk about Matt Baker doing the big interviews. Not very well. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, everybody was laughing. Everybody was laughing. And um, 
They say here, um, did Matt Baker, Blue Peter and the One Show, really refer to the Queen as Her Royal Highness rather than Her Majesty? Yep. Did the BBC's main commentator, Paul Dickinson, who's a sports journalist by trade, call the Duchess of Cornwall the Princess Royal? Yep. Did some other idiot describe the top deck of a boat as the first floor? Yep. Did the BBC cut away from the flotilla to show Tess Daly pretending to be knighted by a man in drag for services to working in the rain? Yep. All of that happened. All of that happened. It was so poor and lame, you know, you feel like withholding the money. Small wonder that the current uh, boss of the BBC goes, oh, it was marvellous, as he departs with his tail between his legs. It was shamefully awful and amateurish and not what we expect. 13 minutes to five. This is LBC Nightmare. I do love it. People have done spoofs over points of view on the BBC over the years. You know, the BBC is so marvellous, I would gladly mortgage my house for the equality of the programmes. Please give us more Fern Cotton. She was enlightening and funny and witty. Please give us more of Matt Baker. He's very sexy and we love him on the one show. Sadly, none of these things were said on points of view. But uh, curiously enough, Danny Cohen told of how successful The Voice was, which, of course, is a blatant lie. We all know it wasn't because we've watched the overnight figures. I mean, admittedly, for the final one, it did get an audience. Because people were finally going, thank God it's finished. They couldn't believe their luck that this pile of old rubbish, and even the person who won never got anywhere with it. So there you go. Curiously, always sidestepping questions, but that's his job. We were promised great things with the Jubilee coverage as well. Wrong! However, did agree over Peter Andrex. On this week's last episode, or as they now call it, series finale, we got Peter goes to the States to record, but loves his kids. Peter's brother is ill, but Peter loves his kids. Peter meets up with an old girlfriend... But he loves his kids. This time around, though, any sight of Harvey was blocked out, apart from one scene where we did see a sideways on full shot. Yes, I mean, I th- perhaps, perhaps he's done a deal with the wife. OK, I'll, I'll put the kids on. You then go, I'm keeping them private. Because, what? I mean, it's, it's kind of taking the mickey, isn't it? If you say to somebody, I want my, my kids to be private, and then your old man is sticking them on his TV show, how's that keeping them private? I mean, quite clearly, two of the thickest people on the planet. We know that she's a bit thick, and we know that Pete loves his kids. And I have to emphasise that, just in case people think, you know, because Jordan comes up, you know, people say, I don't love my kids. Nobody's ever said that. It's just that somebody in passing went, do you love your kids? You know, because the they all run around with no clothes on at home. I mean, I do it. I do it. You know, there's nothing about with running around with no clothes on. But luckily, I'm, you know, it's, it's private where I am. So only when you're above me in a helicopter, hovering quite low, could you actually see anything. You'd have to be quite low, let me tell you. And, um, and so I'm, I'm sort of happily watching these things. And I'm thinking, the, these people exploit the children. You know, it's great. Now Pete's brother is on there because Pete's brother is ill. And so they put him on the programme. I'm thinking, what, you know, why are you putting him on this programme? It's just awful. Stop doing it. Read the girl taken off the bus... The driver should have had some discretion, but by the same token, says Paul, if I went to my local supermarket and took 20 quid of the groceries to the till and only had two pounds, would they let me off with the money? I mean, you know, it's, it's like pulling into a filling station and you put petrol in, then you get there, you go, oh, I haven't got any money. Can I, can I owe you that? You know, very soon we get into a situation. I know it was only 20 pence short and the argument is it's only 20 pence. But surely everybody, I mean, even... You know, even you must have 20 pence in your pocket if I delved around and looked for it. You must have. I mean, I've got loads of money. I mean, I just got... I mean, that's just embarrassing. What an embarrassing thing to say. But I've got loads of change in my pocket. I mean, it probably doesn't amount to very much. But I've got literally, I should imagine, at least a few quid in pennies and 5p's and stuff like that wearing a hole in my pocket. Eventually, I have to get my, my pockets reinforced because I do keep change. Sometimes I take it all out and sort of save it in my very tall spaghetti jar at home. But at the moment, I'm not doing that. I'm keeping it in my pocket, which is very difficult, because when, when, whenever I get in, first thing I do is take my jeans off. 
too much information. But I do. But unfortunately, because there's so much money in the pockets, the pocket turns back round the rock as I'm trying to hang them up on the back of the door. And all the change goes over the four. So I spent the next ten minutes scrabbling around, trying to find pennies and twenty pence pieces and five pieces to put them all back in the pocket. Why well, I just don't put them in my, in my, little, my little piggy bank? I've got no idea, but I don't. So I, I like hanging on to things like that. So, so... I forget where I was going with that conversation. Anyway, but it was very entertaining, very entertaining. Uh, so, uh, in other words, if, if it's only 20 pence, you're probably thinking, yes, the bus driver should have said, go on, get on, it's only 20 pence. Unfortunately, in this, mus- on, in this particular instance, he probably misjudged, and he went, no. And so she get off the bus, and that's when, you know, the worst happens. But he wasn't to know that. It wasn't like he shoved her off the bus and he knew the person waiting. It doesn't, doesn't work like that. And that, that's why it's a bit sad, because lots of bus drivers do nice things. But you're quite right, Paul. If you go to a supermarket and you go, listen, I've got 20... I mean, even if... Do you imagine if you actually had £20 worth of stuff in a supermarket and you go, I've only got 18, is that all right? No, they would say, well, what do you want to put back? Unfortunately, the case... What was, what was shameful was that nobody on that bus would lend her 20 pence. Nobody on the bus would lend her 20 pence. It was, it was that sad. That's how bad we've got in this country. Nobody would lend her 20 pence. We'd all look out the window, wouldn't we? Would you have lent money? 0845 6060973. Uh, Ellen, belated happy birthday for yesterday, and Jackie and Karen, lovely holiday. I'm, a, I'm apparently going to Spain. That'll be nice. I watched Club Reps last night on the television. I like Club Reps. I quite like it. It's a bit naughty, but nice in a peculiar sort, peculiar sort of way. Uh, eight, it's Mama Do the Hump by Rizzle Kicks. Very cool, isn't it? Mama do the hump, da, 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 da. Oh, I love it. I really love it. It's one of those things. I'm not over keen on them. I think they're a bit naff, but I like the record. The record's quite cool. Mama do the hump. Lovely. Uh, so far, so sad to watch the funeral of, uh, of Robin uh, Gibb. Uh, do you know when the public memorial service is? Uh, no, I don't, actually. I think it's sort of later in the year. I think it's later in the year. I think some, I think something like that. I think much, much later in the year. And, uh, and it will be very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, 84850, uk. Um, speaking as a bus driver, when our takings are down, it automatically comes out of our wages. My point being, we can only be kind so many times before it starts taking the, uh, the mickey. Yes. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you, you don't know. He might have coughed up for, like, four other people before that particular girl got on. You don't know, do you? You, d- you really don't know. You have no idea. And uh, Dino says, Katie Price could buy herself a puppy. She's, do you see that new cat she's bought? I mean, quite clearly, she buys things for the kids, because she loves her kids. And it's one of those hairless Egyptian cats. Ugh, ugh, ghastly, ghastly. Uh, another one here says, uh, the bus fare is £2.30 for a single trip. I wasn't accepted on the bus last week at 38 weeks pregnant because I had no money on my Oyster card, despite the fact that I was at London Bridge at commuter time, having just got off a train in a suit, having stood in a queue for 20 minutes. Yet I often see bus drivers letting people of similar races themselves on without paying. They don't do it like that. It doesn't. They'll do it to anybody. Round our way, they're not particularly bothered. I mean, that's just a racist thing to say, Nicky. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. The girl on the bus said, could the driver stop at a cash point? Well, of course he can't stop at a cash point. He's not, you can't just take a bus to a cash point. That'd be so stupid. <laughs> Imagine. I mean, how dumb are you? I'll tell you what. It was just like, take me to the nearest cash point and I'll just go and get some money. Oh, yeah, we'll all sit here and wait, shall we? <laughs> As if that's going to happen. As if. Uh, son this morning. Um, <laughs> the strange story of David Cameron, who left his daughter in the pub. 
Oh, I mean, I heard Duncan reading this one out. Uh, he got home from a Sunday lunch and discovered he'd left his eight-year-old in the pub, dashed back and found little Nancy with staff at the Plough Inn in Buckinghamshire. Number 10 said the Prime Minister and wife Samantha were distraught when they realised she wasn't with them. It's a bit like Home Alone, isn't it? I think that's quite funny. They actually leave there without their daughter. So where is she? I think she's at the pub. I mean, she's finishing a spritzer, for goodness sake. I mean, let the girl finish her drink. Which is quite good. I like that idea. But imagine he's so, so caught up with everything that he actually manages to forget. <laughs> Here's the factory worker, Carl Nordman, who's played the same three lines on Euro Millions for two years, but after a cutback, he couldn't afford two pounds. He must be earning very little money, I think, but he can still afford to do four pounds on the lottery. But he didn't do that one... That last thing, and he discovered that his numbers would have won him 109,315,000 on Tuesday until he checked his ticket on Friday. Oh, he dreamt of moving back to the States. Oh, not going anywhere now, are you, mate? Not going anywhere. Uh, apparently, the organisers of Camelot said, this poor chap must be devastated. They couldn't care less. Why should they worry about it? Why should they worry? It's very easy, isn't it, to write down on your, on your slip you know, the winning numbers, and say, oh, look, I had these. I remember somebody saying to me once, it's a, it's a great gag to play on somebody. If nobody's claimed the ticket, go out and buy those, those numbers, you know, for a couple of quid or something, and then say to somebody, I've, I haven't checked the, this this ticket here. Can you check that one for me against the, the paper? Of course, nobody checks the date. They just look at the numbers. They then go, you've got 63 million. Imagine the fun you could have. The fun you could have. Prince Philip was having some fun yesterday. Much, much slowed down, Prince Philip. I suspect he was 91. Many happy returns of the day. And uh, Gary Speed, who hanged himself, left £1.3 million in his will. So we know it wasn't money, worries or anything like that. The Wales manager was found hanging in the family's garage by his horrified wife hours after they had a row. That's a hell of a row, isn't it? I mean, that's a hell of a row that ends with something as, as tragic as that. And uh, it had a narrative verdict saying it could have been an accident rather than suicide. Either way, it's terribly tragic. Terribly, terribly sad. And um, what else was there in the papers today? Well, the four-year-old girl who fell from a bridge at a theme park. That's down at Chessington. They're having an investigation down there at the moment. Uh, She apparently suffered a fractured skull and uh, while she was in a queue for a ride. So she falls off a bridge. I mean, how that happens. I mean, you see kids messing around, but I mean, how you fall off a bridge, I've got no idea. And uh, a World War II hero who survived 92 bombing missions has been snubbed for the unveiling of a memorial dedicated to his bravery. Former rear gunner Freddie Johnson, 91, won six medals in five years. The dad of three has helped raise £6.5 for a sculpture of an aircrew to be unveiled by the Queen in London's Green Park. And he said, I would have loved to have gone. I heard... uh, I was very pleased when heard it was being built. His wife said... There can't be many veterans left. The life expectancy of rear gunners was six weeks. Organisers said they were sorry Freddie could not get tickets to the event, which will have six and a half thousand guests. Well, get him a ticket. Stop messing around. Give him a ticket, for God's sake. Don't be so stupid. They said they were sorry. He actually helped raise a lot of money, and he can't get a ticket. He's 91. He's a rear gunner. Grow up. Get over yourselves. Get him a ticket. Make sure his family are treated like royalty. And make sure he's down there. It's a memorial dedicated to his bravery. And all they said was they were sorry he couldn't get tickets to the event. Get him tickets. Get him tickets. They were just stupid. I'll tell you, by tomorrow, the papers will have, uh, will have rounded on the, uh, the people and said, you get him tickets. It's memorial to him. It's a memorial to him. You get him tickets immediately. Don't even, don't even bother wasting time. Treat him to a champagne dinner at the Dorchester. Take him to afternoon tea at the Dorchester. He'll love it. 
It's fabulous. You can have cakes and champagne. It's wonderful. He, I'm, we're terribly sorry you can't get tickets. It's a memorial to him. What are, are these stupid people who run these organisations? Throw somebody else out. Six and a half thousand people. An extra two isn't going to make any difference, is it? God, blimey, honestly. As we said before, the life expectancy of a rear gunner was six weeks. He's 91. Give him the tickets. I bet you by, by tomorrow, one of the newspapers said, we, we've made sure this... Ma- of course you're going to make sure he's going to be there. That is, that is going to be the Sun's mission today. That's going to be the Sun's mission. Certainly couldn't be the Daily Mirror's mission, because what's on their front page? Richard and Judy reveal all. Oh, God. Doesn't your heart just drop? Your heart just drops. Anyway, the good news is that they're going to be grandparents. Judy's son from her first marriage is having a baby. So that's good news, isn't it? We're all very happy now. On FM, on... Morning! Monday morning, it's wet. Just explain to Holly, I, d- I, don't, I don't mind the, uh, the rain at all. I love it. I'd much rather have, have the rain than have sunshine. Can't bear the sunshine. I really can't. You have to put sunblock on and everything else. At least with rain, you just put an umbrella up or fell in that. You just get very wet. Take a bar of soap out with you this morning. You can stand in the bus queue and you can actually end up having a shower at the same time. So there you go. Free. We've saved you water cost. Saved you water bill. Fantastic. Uh, 84850. You're quite right, Steve. The bus driver wasn't to know the girl would be attacked. Pity none of the other passengers offered to pay the difference. They didn't. But the trouble is, how many of you would pay the difference? If you were sitting on a bus, right, somebody gets on and they go... So I'm, I'm, I'm a pound short or 30 pence short or whatever. Would, would you stand up and give them the money? No. You wouldn't, would you? You'd look out the window and think, will you start this blooming bus? There's a limit to how long we're going to sit here and wait. The bus driver wasn't to know anything like that at all. You know, put it this way, she might have got off the bus and been run over. You know, or attacked by a wood pigeon or something. I mean, it could be anything. You just don't know, do you? You have no idea. And he wasn't to know that at all. And, you, and as somebody pointed out, he might have used his discretion and sort of coughed up 30 pence, 50 pence a pound for another 10 people before she got on and probably thought, I've had enough of this. This, this job is now starting to cost money. Stephen Harrow says that there might be something else. It's, I mean, it's only 20 pence, would you? I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not paying for everybody else to get on the bus. You know, it's like people... I'm, I don't give to beggars sitting by the side of the street either. They can sit there and die, as far as I'm concerned. I'm really not interested in people who, you know... If they were very elderly, like in some countries, I can understand. If somebody was really, really elderly and sitting by the side of the... But they're never elderly. They're always young. They're, they're, they're people who look young, perfectly capable of standing up. They've got a dog that spends most of the day asleep. You know, dogs should be running around, but because of the lethargic attitude of the people sitting on the dirty old rug with those... You've got some money, you've got some spare money. Why do they talk like that? Can't they speak normally? pathetic people. It really is. It's dreadful. It's all over the place. It's not just in this country. It's just about everywhere. And I think, as far as I'm concerned now, we've had enough. Don't give to people begging on the side of the streets. Many of them are supporting drug habits. You don't, you don't give to those sort of people. Um, I think the onus was on the passengers on the bus, especially at 3am. I, like millions of normal people, would have made up the difference, says Tommy Canada. Well, they didn't. They didn't. And it's also at 3am in the morning, there's no chance of anybody coughing up money. No chance. No, might be different over there in Canada. Over here, nobody, nobody's going to give money because they don't want to get involved. Because I mean, who knows? You might have sort of, you know, sort of coughed up money. She might have sat next to you and sort of struck up a cough. You don't want to talk to these people. You don't know. You don't know who they are, do you? So that's why we don't get involved. Contrary, contrary to what people, you know, said the other day in a survey that people in London like talking to people. People in London like chatting away to people and, um, and, and we're always very... No, we don't. We absolutely don't, I'm afraid. John says, I lent one person a tenner for the Oxford-London bus. Well, you're an idiot. I mean, why would you lend somebody a tenner? 
Was it somebody you know, or just somebody who sort of wandered up to you? I mean, that is... You've got the word gullible stamped all over you, you, haven't you? A friend of mine got that a short while ago. He was he was going... He went out... I forget where he was, actually. It wasn't a service station. It was somewhere like that. And, uh, and, a, and a man came over to him and said, Oh, look, he said, we need to... Um, he said, I've got to get my wife home because she's got to go to hospital and uh, we haven't got any any money and I need some money for petrol. And so... Um, so th- this this friend of mine sort of thought about it and he said he said I'll I'll tell you what I'll do I'll I'll come with you to the nearest garage and put petrol. He said no no he said because we're actually going off this other way first. I mean ten pounds would help us an awful lot. And so this friend of mine gave him a tenner. Duh, gave him a tenner. And uh, anyway, the car then then went off. And so he went into the shop and he was explaining to the shopkeeper. The shopkeeper said yeah he said they've been sitting there since nine o'clock this morning. He said loads of people have given the money. He said, he said, you're just the long line. He said, there must be 20 people who've given them money. So I said to my friend, don't you feel stupid? And he said, no, he said, I feel sorry for them. I said, why feel sorry? They've managed to get 100 quid out of people just through sitting there. Because some people are very good about lying. They're very good about sort of telling you a hard luck story. Like the people sitting on the blankets. With the so you've got some, you've got some, this is by cash points. You go, get off your bottom, get up there and do a job. Go be a road sweeper. Go do something. Don't just sit there being a wuss. I can't because I've got a dog here. Well, we'll take the dog into care, all right? You shouldn't have the dog anyway. Okay, to take it away from you. And the reason you've got it is so you can sort of spin some extra money out of the government. No, absolutely. It's ridiculous. Uh, Jackie says, I've given people money for the bus, especially late at night. What's 20 pence? Well, quite clearly, in that particular case, it was quite a lot because nobody appeared to have either 20 pence and the bus driver wasn't having anything to do with it either. And that's, and that, and that's what it comes down to. You know, it's It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that nobody wanted to help out for 20 pence. But people don't... They don't want to get involved. It's the getting involved. You know, you you don't know what's going to happen, so you don't. Lynn says, a man who not only helped raise money for that memorial, but was actually one of the brave souls who put his life on the line, is refused tickets. Well, they'd, they'd run out of tickets. That's as stupid as celebrating the Jubilee without inviting the Queen. Exactly. I'm telling you, by tomorrow morning, the papers will be full of pictures of that 91-year-old man... And uh, and and how he's going to be treated like like royalty, coming down for that memorial. Have you ever heard anything so stupid from the organisers? We're very sorry you couldn't get tickets. Whew, you can almost, I can almost see the headlines now. I can see the headlines now. It's going to. They will definitely get him down there. It's a simple. Well, come hell or high water, somebody will get him down there. It'll be a newspaper. Oh dear, what else is in the papers today? Let's see. Apart from it's wet, 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 wet. We are doing football apparently at the moment. Anybody following it? No, nobody. I didn't think so. I didn't think anybody was following football. Uh, it's going to be 90 degrees Fahrenheit tomorrow. The fans are outnumbering the French by two to one. And so they've got a few people that... Well, I mean, I thought people had all but forgotten about the football. I don't think anybody was interested in that anymore, are they? Oh, I'll tell you what, what's not, uh, what's not going... Oh, yes, uh, Bob in Manchester says, can you tell John that I'd like a tenner as well? You know, so I'm, I'm giving out his email address shortly so people can write to him and he can give a tenner to them. If he's that generous... In Oxford, I'd also like like to get on the coach for a tenner. I mean, I don't really I just want the tenner. I'm just lying about that. Just like get the money out of him. It can't be that difficult, can it? Lovely picture of the paper today of uh, of Cheryl Call with makeup trolled on, and she's apparently now friendly with Nadine. Who cares? They say Cheryl ends big feud with Club Booze Up. In other words, the midget from Newcastle went out and got very very drunk, and Nadine, who's far more classier for some reason, how oh, you? Yeah. And uh, Cheryl, of course, isn't classy at all. And uh, apparently they hugged out their differences and even had a dance together. God, how dreary is that? I mean, who cares? Who cares, ladies and gentlemen? Two little non-entities from a miming girl band, you know, patch up their differences. Who cares? Nobody cares, do they? 
And apparently Chelsea Healy was out on the town the other night, got into a fight at a pizza takeaway. Classy as ever, Chelsea. Spelt C-H-E-L-S-E-E. Always worry about people who can't spell properly. And, um, and lots of funny pictures of a caravan site beset by water. Quite a lot of water, actually, in Wales. I'm so sorry. And the weather car, the weathermen have forecast a month of downpours. Whoopee! Love it. Absolutely love it. The more rain there is, the better. Absolutely. Cannot get enough of rain. So if you're going out today, take an umbrella. Make sure, you know, you take or a Mac. Nobody's got a Mac anymore, have they? Have you noticed? Nobody possesses a raincoat. They're just not the kind of thing. Girls have them, boys don't have them. But you watch, there'll be blokes walking down the street today in pale suits, absolutely drenched. And every time I walk past them and I've got my umbrella up, I always go, ha! I laugh. I laugh at them openly, because I think you have to. There's no point in sort of, because they're quite clearly a little bit dim, aren't they? It's not their fault. It's raining. The weather, I've told you now, the weathermen have said that, unfortunately, it's going to be raining for about a month. There's going to be a lot of water out there. There's going to be a lot of uh, of flooding. There's going to be a lot of cars skidding off the road. There's going to be a lot of accidents because people don't realise that water is not very good and you will slide in it. In other words, it's going to be quite a bad Monday today. So you'll need to be listening to LBC to find out, with the help of our lovely travel department, exactly which areas are the worst affected. I mean, motorways. I mean, you see people bombing down the motorways, don't you? They bomb down the motorways and then, you know, they wonder why all of a sudden there's an accident, which is, uh, which is terrible. I see that uh, police were called twice to a stately home after fighting broke out at a Premier League footballer's £40,000 nuptials. This is Newcastle's Danny Guthrie and Rebecca Middleman. They got married, but quite clearly the family are. Well, let's just call them chavs, shall we? Three times they had to call the police out and uh, guests were throwing lobster around all over the place. Quite clearly, the lowest of the low. That's the trouble with footballers. Thick as planks. He's got tattoos up both arms. And uh, a castle source says it was more big, fat, gypsy wedding than our usual clientele. That's the trouble. Don't ever let footballers in. They don't know how to behave. They've, they've got no idea. They think that rich people, you know, eat lobster thermidor all the time. And, of course, rich people don't. Rich people don't eat lobster. It's only peasants who eat lobster thermidor. You know, footballers with too much money, you know, brain size and IQ the size of their shoe. That's how it works out, you know. Generally, sort of, let's have everything Versace and this and that, and, and they've got no idea. You can, you can convince the women to buy anything. Look at poor Colleen, and look at poor Wayne. I don't want to, I didn't want to wen- mention Wayne Rooney today. I'm so sorry to mention him so early on in the proceedings, but his hair transplant doesn't look like it's worked out. It's gone a bit thin on top, which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? So we've got a bit of a laugh. The papers are saying, oh dear, better go back. And actually sort of uh, ask, ask for your money back. 30,000 quid, and it's looking a bit thin, I know. I think he seriously thought that, you know, well, obviously when, you know, you have 30,000 pounds and you've got more money than sense, you know, and your name's Shrek, that you go in there and somebody's going to put hair on your head and it's going to last forever. Well, it's lasted a few weeks. And, and it's lovely. It's absolutely... Oh, my God, look at the poor state of it, honestly. Oh, dear. Richard and Judy, grandparents and authors... Because uh, Judy, because a whale now, uh, is out there. I suspect the only one. It's funny, actually, because Richard Madeley appears to have been dipped in toffee. And Judy looks like she's been shut in a cupboard, cupboard and covered in chalk powder. She's looking a little bit Miss Havisham here. About the size of Miss Havisham as well. And they've got grown-up children, Jack and Chloe. I don't think Chloe's grown up. She was in the paper the other day, poor old Chloe. Describes herself as a TV presenter. On what, love? On what? (laughs) Do me a favour. I did order something from the television the other day. I I embarrassed myself and ordered from a shopping channel. 
Never going to do it again. Never do it again. I wanted some glue that sticks everything together. Decided to take it round to Jordan's place. Perhaps we can do her mouth. But anyway, I thought no, no, because we want another series of the uh, of the very funny program this week. But uh, Rich and Judy, I think he's the one who craves the attention, whereas she's quite happy to sit at home and sort of you know start the Richard and Judy wine club all over again. I think she was quite happy with. That was the only time she smiled on the program. The rest of the time, he used to butt in and talk all over. A very irritating man. Very, very tall and striking, but uh, he does look like he's been on 300 holidays and she looks like she sits at home. Whereas, in fact, they, they should really put her on the Weight Watchers thing, you know, because she used to be quite quite slim, bless her heart, and uh, they used to be the king and queen of daytime television. But that was in the 1870s, wasn't it? News headlines with Holly Ford. People in London and the South East have been told... C97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Take it lightly. The weather today is appalling. So the uh, the Met Office have issued this weather warning, which comes in, you know, two under, just about as bad as it can get. Wet, 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 and it will sweep in and will be here for ages. Absolutely ages. So be warned. Take your umbrellas out. You know, if you're, if you're going out in the car, then set off a little bit earlier than normal. Dean in Tilbury says it's all doom and gloom this morning, isn't it? Well, it's the weather. I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't bother me. I'm sitting inside. I couldn't care less. Going off to watch a movie today, so I'm quite happy with that. Uh, Steve, I absolutely have given a young girl 20 pence late at night. It's ludicrous and shameful. No one did offer it. Nothing to do with the attack, just being human. The passengers and the driver should be ashamed. The fact she was raped makes it tragic. But it was 20 pence, for God's sake. We, we just don't want to give 20 pence. We don't want to give a penny. We don't want to give anything at all. Because you're worried in case the person then latches onto you. Jan says, I would definitely give somebody 20 pence for a fare. Last weekend... I informed Croydon Council that the drain outside the house was blocked and the water wasn't running away. wonder if I'll bet a claim against them if we get flooded. I pick up my Olympics volunteer uniform on Friday. 46 days to go. And before that, I'm seeing you on the 30th. Certainly are. Because I'm at the Magic Circle. I completely forgot about that, actually. It was only because I I thought about it yesterday. And somebody phoned me and said there's only a few more seats left for our, our charity magic show at the Magic Circle, which is on the 30th of this month. It's an, it's an intimate event, as you all know. And uh, I'm hosting it. Well, it would be. It's my show. I'm, I'm, I might be performing. I haven't, I haven't quite got round to that, but yet I'll, I'll let you know nearer the time. You might, be, you might have to suffer my, my flowering bush. I'm not sure whether or not it's uh, the kind of thing I, you, you would expect to see from me. We have tried it twice before at the shows, and it's each time. It's, uh, it only worked the once with Anthony Davis. Bless its heart. So we, we might be giving of that to you. If you want to know more details, it's on steveallenshow.com, and that takes you through to the Magic Circle. And it's on the 30th, which is a Saturday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which is off the Euston Road. And you can go around the Magic Circle, go to the uh, museum and uh, have a good look all around the building. About five floors and you get lots of close-up magic. And then you get a stage show as well with some really, really good magicians. In fact, they're all really, really good magicians. So, uh, excellent. Uh, 84850, uk, And um, another one here. Apparently, kids of seven will now be taught a foreign language in school. What a brilliant idea. What an absolutely brilliant idea. We had to suffer it when we were little. French, German, Latin. Other people did it, so why not? And poetry as well. Not, not so keen on poetry. I understand people writing poetry. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. But I don't think poetry in school. But I think learning a foreign language is a, is a brilliant idea. Primary school pupils will also be expected to... This is from the age of seven. Under this school shake-up. Why has it taken so long to get round to learning another language? 
You think kids would really want to learn another language? I mean, there's, I mean, the, the, the choice must be vast. Absolutely vast. In other countries, you know, in Hong Kong, kids learn English from the start of primary school. Singapore and New Zealand start at six. Six years old. So by the time people, you know, get to a reasonable age, they can actually have a conversation. My, my brother's girls, uh, one is learning Japanese and the other one speaks uh, fluent Spanish because they want to go and work in those countries. I think Jess wants to go and work in, in Spain. She's been over there for a while because she speaks Spanish. How lo- what a gift. What a gift. You know, and, and you think to yourself, well, we don't do anything now, do we? We expect everybody to speak English. I'd love to have learned a language. We, we did do it at school, but you never know, they're long enough to actually learn it properly. But I'd love to go. I've, I've tried to sort of do one of those language things, you know, where you sit down and listen to a cassette in the car and it's rubbish. It never works. Uh, you repeat after me. La plume de ma tante et dans la table de mon oncle. You know, and that kind of stuff. So we all sit there repeating it like parrots. It was ghastly. It was ghastly. But I love the idea that kids are going to do it. Do you wish you did a, a language at school? 0845 6060 98850 or steve at lbc.co.uk. Oh, Coronation Street have decided to push the boundaries. This apparently is pushing the boundaries. Wait for this one. You know that they have a girl called uh, Izzy in a wheelchair in Coronation Street. She pops up every so often. And uh, she's going to be discovering that in a few weeks' time, she's going to be pregnant. So they're going to have a pregnant wheelchair user. And this, they think, in Coronation Street is groundbreaking television. What an insult. What an insult to people. What an absolute insult. Show researchers are now finding out the possible complications that ITV's soap from full-time disabled character could face during pregnancy. Well, you know, so she'll be in a wheelchair but getting pregnant. See a problem there, do you, Coronation Street? They're very, they're very, they're back in the dark ages, aren't they? You know, like, as I said at the beginning of the programme, the bloke in Big Brother, who is uh, transsexual, has to tell everybody. And, and is worried about people's reaction, whereas, of course, the, the reaction is nobody cares. Nobody is remotely interested. No, nobody cares. You know, somebody says, oh, by the way, I'm transsexual. So? <laughs> you know, what, what era do they think we're living in? I don't know where people, you know, think they're actually coming from. Patricia says, is it really true what they say about London? I can't believe nobody would cough up 20 pence for that poor girl. Disgraceful. That would never happen up here. But there, but for fortune, go you and what goes round comes round. Have you never heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan? I don't think so, no. I mean, you're assuming everybody on the bus was Christian. It was so funny. Somebody was was talking about Christianity earlier on today, I think, to, to Duncan. And they were saying... You know, if everybody was Christian, there wouldn't be any arguments and people would be nicer. I thought, no, that's the basis of all wars, isn't it? I thought Christianity was the basis of all wars. But unfortunately, Patricia, nobody would cough up 20 pence. Because, you know, you might find all the... I don't know what sort of people are on a bus at 3am in the morning. Shouldn't imagine the best sort of people, would you? But at 3 o'clock in the morning, nobody wanted to, to give 20 pence. The bus driver didn't want to give 20 pence, so off the bus she went. Apparently there was some suggestion of going to a cash point... You know, like buses or just... Yeah, I'll tell you what, let's go and do some shopping for everybody, shall we, at the same time? You know, you're not to know what happens when somebody gets off a bus. You know, if I actually get off a bus and then try and cross and then get run over, you know, nobody is nobody is to know that. Nobody actually is, is actually going to guess that that's going to happen because you can't do it. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a shame, actually. 
Apparently, the, the rules are, for bus drivers, no passenger must be allowed to travel unless they paid the correct fare or have a valid pass for their journey. However, discretion must be used where children under 16 years of age and adults who are in obvious distress are concerned. In these cases, a ticket must be issued without payment, the passenger's full name and address taken, and the passenger asked to send the correct fare to the commercial office, 55 Broadway. A fully completed irregular travel report submitted. God, blimey, it's hardly worth bothering, is it? So, in other words, you've got to sit there and you've got to ask for somebody's name and address. So, I'm going to be going. So, I'm on the bus. So, I'm short 20 pence. OK. And I'm then going to go, OK, it's 20 pence short. The bus driver goes, right, OK, I'll just turn the engine off. OK, settle back, everybody. Right, now I'll issue the ticket for you. And if you'd just like to fill in this name and address, OK, and uh, then we will send... You, can you send the extra 20 pence to, uh, to 55, the Broadway and Ealing? I mean, you could see the complications arriving over 20 pence, can't you? And then you've got to do the irregular travel report. In short, says Suzanne, all drivers are provided with a ticket issued without payment book, which they can issue to a passenger if it's unable to pay. Also, probably worth warning people, if they live near roads that flood, leave early as they're all flooding badly. Thank you for that one. So, uh, Sue, who's an audit manager for Arriva. Arriva! Sorry, couldn't resist it. But it's, it's true. But, I mean, I'm not surprised that bus driver just... Oh, get on. Get on the bus. Who wants to sit there and ask for somebody's name and address and fill it all out? You don't want to do things like that, do you? That's why they... they, they and probably, we don't know whether or not the guy on the bus had been letting loads of people on already who hadn't paid, because it's 3am in the morning. And 3am in the morning, people tend to be a little bit... a little bit leery, a little bit drunk, a little bit well the worse for wear. In fact, I'm reliably informed by people who know these things better than, than I that the night bus is possibly the worst thing you could ever, ever go on in London. It's full of life's degenerates and the drunks. So somebody gets on, the bus driver goes, ''Excuse me, you've got to pay?'' ''Yeah, yeah.'' If I was the bus driver, I would just literally turn the engine off and sit there and just wait... You know, how long you wait, I don't know. I'm not sure about that, actually. That one could could backfire badly. Because some people are just so arrogant. You see people, I see them up here at uh, Piccadilly Circus every morning. People who just wander into the road. They couldn't get us about cars. And if the driver attempts to hoot them, oh, dear, the back chat that you get. The back chat. Not very good at all, I'm afraid. Really not very good. Uh, nice to see in the papers today. There's a picture of um, one of um, one of the royal children. Well, it's one of, it's one of uh, Sarah Ferguson, so it doesn't quite count the same way. And apparently she's just completed a bike ride, which is very nice indeed, to raise money for a hospital. She's 22, and she's raised money for a hospital because she had an operation there when she was 12. And uh, the good news is she's got round to doing something now, which is quite nice. And uh, not only did Sarah Ferguson, who makes a big drama about it, uh, cough up £500, but also... Um, also, uh, Daddy, Prince Andrew, coughed up £500. So that was good. She only raised 10000 You'd think she'd have more rich friends, wouldn't you? You'd think she'd be raising, like, a million. You know, she's been cycling, she's been doing this thing, and the best she came up with was ten grand, And a 1000 of that came from her parents. Quite clearly not as popular as maybe she thought she was. Uh, here is this man, the betrayal of a hero. I'm telling you, by tomorrow morning, this will be sorted. This is the man who flew 92 missions as a rear gunner. And the bureaucrats won't let Freddie Johnson, 91, attend the unveiling of a memorial to his comrades in Bomber Command. Oh, they will. You watch by tomorrow morning. They'll be backpedalling so blooming fast. They'll be eating humble pie. We'll be naming and shaming, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, this man has done everything. And uh, a spokesman said, the problem we have has been absolutely overwhelmed by demand for tickets. We have a licence limiting us to two, six and a half thousand guests, which we cannot exceed. Well, you better get in there, OK? If it takes that person writing it, they have to stand outside. 
you get Freddie Johnson there. Otherwise, your name will be mud everywhere. I couldn't care less about rules of limited to six and a half thousand. Not interested. This thing is about him. He might be one of the only people there who survived Bomber Command. He might be one of the only people who survived being a rear gunner. You get him there because they'll drag you through the mud, the newspapers. You get him there. Don't even, don't even come back to us and tell us anything else. We're not interested. You get him there. As simple as that. Throw some other people out. There must be some hanger-oners that you've given tickets to. Uh, 84850. Yes, I love the idea that Wayne Rooney should have uh, pictures of rabbits tattooed on his head. Because then they could look like hares. Which, sadly, the current transplant is not looking at all like that. It's looking like the kind of stuff you find on the bathroom floor. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. These headlines from Holly Ford. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. So this big debate now is, would you give 20 pence on a bus? If somebody gets on, now you've heard what, what Arriva do... They actually have this book of tickets which they issue if somebody doesn't have the right money. But surely, is it, shouldn't it be the same as pulling into a filling station? It says, quite clearly, on petrol pumps, if you do not have the right amount of money or money to pay for your petrol, don't bother putting the thing in your tank. But, of course, some people do, quite clearly, a bit ignoramus type. You know, the type who sand there, you know, either on their mobile phone or they've got a fag going or something like that. You know, life's little saddos. But the whole idea is that if you if you get on a bus, you know what the fare is. And then you go, you're 20 pence short, and the bus driver goes... Pfft. I mean, I don't think it was an Arriva bus. It doesn't actually make any difference. But that's what their stance is. You have to fill in this thing, and then you get somebody's name and address for 20 pence. Isn't somebody going to be going, it's 20 pence, for God's sake. It's 20 pence. There must be 20 pence in change on the floor of the bus somewhere. That would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? But uh, that's why. And people are up in arms, because in this particular case, this poor girl gets off the bus, 3am in the morning, and then gets attacked. And that's why it's come to prominence, because there will be loads of cases, and you've seen them in the in the papers, uh, of people who've been turned off buses, kids who've been turned off buses, because they've either got a cup of coffee. Or, I mean, I would turn anybody off a bus who's got food with them. You know, I mean, in, in Twickenham, we have the laziest students ever. They can't walk 100 yards. They're so unfit... They're so unfit that they actually can just about make it to Twickenham Station. Morning, Brian. And, and, and then they have to get the bus to go two stops into town, or sometimes just to Waitrose, which is about, you know, less than 200 yards, because the students are so fat and overweight and so useless. They can't do anything. How they're ever studying, I've got no idea. They spend most of their time either smoking or stuffing food in their mouth. That's all they do around our way. It's terrible. And these are supposed to be fit, but they cannot walk from their little college... Into town, so they get the buses. I mean, daft or what, I'm afraid. Uh, Piers says, I'm in... Uh, uh, I wake up every morning overlooking Mount Kilimanjaro. Overlooking it? How big are you, then? You're overlooking it. You mean you're looking up to it, I should imagine. You can't be overlooking Mount Kilimanjaro. I wouldn't have thought... Unless you are absolutely enormous. 84850. Uh, Steve at uk. Uh, following your recommendation, says Michael, I bought The London Nobody Knows from Amazon. Uh, it's very interesting. I was only five in 67 when it was filmed, but I still remember some of the things featured. I'm surprised nobody's made a film retracing the same steps now to see what's become of the places were filmed. Uh, I know. It, I mean, it's a lovely little film, though. It's a good one, isn't it? Um, there's also 
Oh, Anthony Davis was talking about this Harrods burger, I think, at 80 quid. I think that's quite cheap, actually. I've seen more expensive burgers. To be honest with you, it's just done to get publicity, isn't it, for somebody? I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to order an £80 burger unless you're a bit silly. Steve, I'll lend you 20 pence, then wait outside LBC and collect it off you. Lovely. Another one here says, um, uh, my first time listening into you. Who needs the sun when you're brightening up my morning? Yeah. That's what, we do. That's what we're doing. That's, you know, you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to pay for this. It isn't, a, it isn't one of these fee-paying programmes. But to be honest with you, I'm, I mean, you, yeah, if you want to send money in, uh, I tend to find the, uh, the purple notes are the most popular ones. OK. Uh, 84850, steve at What's your opinion on the class war? Mylene class was all over the papers yesterday. And uh, people are saying, who do you believe? He says this, she says that. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know. I think it's not our business. If people's marriages split up, that's, that's their business. I couldn't care less. I mean, it's got nothing to do with me. I don't ask them to comment on my life. Patricia? Hello. Morning. Hiya, Steve. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about night buses here. Yes. In Liverpool. Yeah, they're really wacky. <laughs> really wacky? Uh, wacky. Oh, yeah, right. you're, you're perfectly safe, but there's just a lot of crazy people are jolly mood. And I had a reason to get on one recently. And uh, I had I, I sprinted across the road because, you know, they're not very frequent at that hour of the morning. Mm. And uh, I, I, I almost got hit by a car, but I had to get on the bus. So I got on the bus and I thought, I looked at everyone. You know, the light is really horrible. And horrible I, light. Everyone looked like zombies. And I mm. thought, oh, my God. I no, they were zombies. It. <laughs> <laughs> they I was hit by that car. I've, I've gone to purgatory. So I got on, and the bus driver had the radio on. And um, they uh, they all stood country and western tune, I think it was um, Lucille or something like that. Well, they're playing it on the bus. Yeah, the, re- the, the driver was playing it, yeah. Oh, and everybody started singing along. <laughs> Small wonder you all drink up there. I mean, honestly, it's a nightmare. <laughs> you have to get on the bus and start joining in a sing-along. They all started singing along. And I had... Um, few things some shopping on me that I'd done earlier yeah. and uh the bottle of wine uh for, for the old man you know to keep him happy and uh it fell out of my bag and it was rolling all along yeah, the right. aisle yeah. and everybody was trying to get it for me you know yeah, <laughs> I bet they were <laughs> the trouble is, but, would would people cough up twenty pence at the end of the day? If somebody got on the bus and said, "Listen," and the bus—I don't know how your system works up there down here. Uh, most bus drivers can't accept cash anyway. I don't know how a bus driver accepts cash. Only in the suburbs can you collect cash. In the centre of London, you have to have a ticket to get on the you bus. Have to have all those Oyster cards or something. Yes, yeah. really. And they don't, uh, most of them do not take notes or because they don't—they don't really have enough change. <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, oh you, you cannot get on a London bus and buy a ticket. You've got to buy the ticket before you get on the bus or you have an Oyster card. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. Yeah. I mean, round where I am in Twickenham, because it's a different bus company, you can pay on the bus. And I think it's something like £2.30 or three, but whatever it is, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I just can't believe no one gave it that poor no. money. I mean, I, I can't believe what you're saying, Steve, because from what I've heard of you, listened to you, you seem to be a very generous person. I wouldn't give 20 pence to somebody on a bus. But it, apparently it doesn't extend to strangers. No, I wouldn't give it... I mean, I'd, I'd sit there and look oh, out the window. Come like, on. I mean, no, I wouldn't. Oh, I can't believe that. Yeah, I think seriously, I wouldn't. I think you're fitting. No, absolutely, I'm telling the truth. I wouldn't I wouldn't give a penny piece. I don't give to beggars. I don't give to... I, I work on the well, assumption... Well, she wasn't a beggar. I no, mean, but I, I don't not... give to people. If somebody came up to me in the street and said, oh, can you give me some... No. 
That's not the same thing, though, as that situation. But, you know, our, our night buses up here are really crazy. Like, well, of uh, course, you're uh, lot. You're all drunk. You're all sitting on that <laughs> singing Lucille. That's not true. Of course, true. you give 20 pence. That's not true. Of course, we're you give 20 drunk. pence, because you've just probably robbed it from somebody else. <laughs> I know what you lot are like in Liverpool. You don't frighten me. I could, I could generalise over Liverpool. Most people go up to Liverpool, they go, well, you're like wacky on 20 pence. We've just made it off somebody else. I think that was Newcastle again, but it doesn't matter. We don't mind moving people around. No, we wouldn't. That's why. That's why. I mean, put it away. It's a classic example. Nobody gave 20 pence. She's on a night bus. It's packed with people. Nobody gave 20 pence. And I, I venture to suggest that even during the daytime, nobody in London would give 20 pence. Few people have said yes, they would. But in, in the situation you get on the bus, I, I don't know anything about the situation. Apart from that, she gets on the bus. So she must have been in, I don't know where she was then, where the, where the driver accepted money. Because most of the buses you can't take money on. I know because I've actually been on a bus before and somebody's got on and gone two to Waterloo or whatever it happens to be. And he says, no, you have to get a ticket. Then the moment they get off the bus, he closes the doors and drives off. <laughs> Funny thing to do, I know, for, for tourists. I think they do it to me. But they're all keeping to a, to a timetable. That's what the bus inspectors are out there for. The bus inspectors are there. To, Why are you late? Oh, when I was waiting while they bought tickets. Well, you can't wait for that because there's buses piling up behind you. So they have to they have to go on. I've seen that happen on on numerous occasions. Mind you, I've also seen people get on buses, put their Oyster card up, it's going beep, 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 which means there's no, no money, and then they turn around and get off the bus again. Or failing that, they can't actually believe it, so they do it again. They go beep, 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 and then they get off the bus and have to go and find somewhere to, to charge it up again. I think by all bus stops, they should have a, a facility for charging up, you know, the thing. I mean, surely the bus driver could have actually said, I mean, with hindsight, has anybody got 20 pence they want to lend this lady for a fare? Because I don't think it's up to the... It's, it's like, you know, train drivers. You don't get there and you sort of say, excuse me, could you mind paying my fare to Windsor and Eaton Riverside? They're not going to do it, are they? They're not going to do it. And that's why I think, in this particular case, it's, I think it's very indicative. It's the night bus. It's the night bus. Malcolm says that the bus driver should have had a, had a, a, a whip round. And uh, I put 60 quid's worth of petrol in my car, went to pay and realised I'd left my money at home. I was mortified and had to fill in a form and then paid it later that day. Does that make me an ignoramus? Well, no, it doesn't. But, I mean, fancy going out and putting money... I mean, do you not... Do you know, when you pull into a garage, do you not tap your wallet to make sure it's there? It's like people who go to supermarkets and they actually sort of, you know, buy all this food, it goes all the check and then they start looking for their wallet. And you think to yourself, why did you not do this beforehand? That would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? That would make perfect sense. 84850. That's Paul, incidentally, who uh, comes from Redhill. And uh, he's <laughs> talking about putting 60 quid's worth of petrol in the car and then realising he left his money at home. I mean, when you walk out of the house, isn't that just a bit forgetful? You walk out of that. First thing I do when I walk out of the house, I make sure wallet, insulin, car keys, house keys, handkerchief glasses. It's all, I know exactly where everything is. So in fact, it would, there would never be a situation that I would manage to get to the garage, put the petrol in and then realise I didn't have any money with me. I would always have money with me because that's why I would do it. Otherwise, technically, it's fraudulent. You know, alright, so that, that you're very lucky. It must have been a garage that trusted you and obviously knew you because otherwise they're not going to let somebody just drive off with 60 quids worth of petrol, are they? I don't think. Uh, 84850, the girl without the 20 pence, why didn't she just go one stop less? Well, because it's a standard fare. There is no one stop less anymore. It doesn't work like that anymore. She was in Nottingham, was she? Right, it doesn't work like that. It's one, one price. You can get off one stop or you can go to the end of the, uh, the road, I should have. You can go wherever you want. The, the, whole, the whole journey costs like that. So that's why it doesn't, doesn't work where you just go, I'll just go one stop. 
I mean, that would be stupid, wouldn't it, really? You know, we used to operate that fair. I'm just going to the end of the road, that'll be threepence. And if I go the extra, fourpence. Would just be stupid. But you do think maybe the bus, perhaps they operate differently in Nottingham. I don't know. We're being told that up north people would automatically be, be helping. Not so in Nottingham, let me tell you. Not so in Nottingham. 84850, uk. Now, Dan, Dan says, who do I normally pick up at Twickenham Station and drop off in King Street? Two stops. <coughs> well, it's because I'm, I'm tired by that time. I've had to talk to Brian at the station and everything. And also, it's because I like a chat with you as well, Dan. Otherwise, I'd just be waving at the bus as it went past. He says, London Bus's policy is to give a yellow ticket, allowing a person to travel without payment, and we don't even take a person's name, address, so open to abuse. The students get on claiming their pass is lost and ask for a yellow ticket. Oh, that's what they do, is it? Well, you know what students are like? Strict crooks. Crooks, all of them. Drink do drugs, everything else. They, they, so they just get on the bus and go, I've lost my pass. You have to go, oh, right. I wonder why so many of them get stopped at Twickenham Station. Because quite clearly a lot of students uh, are travelling fraudulently, you know, on, on the, uh, the trains. <sighs> I'd have a field day. You and I would have a field day on the bus. I'd love to be an inspector. Oh, I wonder how many celebrities, says Phil, will turn up to the Bomber Command unveiling. Listen, if they don't get this 91-year-old man there, I'm going to go down and protest myself, ladies and gentlemen. It's quarter to six. <laughs> Only four... Twelve minutes to six. I'll only tell you this about 500 times before the end of the programme. It's going to be wet. OK? It's going to be very, very wet today. The Met Office have issued a warning. The warning is, it's going to be wet. Be very careful driving. Take an umbrella. It's an amber alert. I don't know how many times I have to tell people this. Because still, as I say, later on, I'll be seeing people walking about with no umbrella, no nothing at all. We're also talking this morning about this, this girl on the bus. It was in Nottingham, we've now established, where they obviously take cash on the buses, and it was Christmas time. That's all we know. She was 20 pence short. It was £4.80 she had. The fare was a fiver. She didn't have the extra 20 pence. Nobody on the bus was prepared to cough up 20 pence. The driver wasn't prepared to let her on without... Although, to be honest with you, we got £4.80... I mean, £4.80 seems OK. OK, so it's 20 pence a line. I understand, as Dan told us a minute ago, a lot of students cheat the system, but they're actually crooks. I don't know. It was Christmas time. Had she been celebrated? We don't know. We don't know any of the circumstances. All we know is she gets off the bus because he won't let her on, and yet there's a cash point by there. Now, what I would have done is I'd have said, you know, I, I would have gone to the cash point to start with. I'd have looked in my pocket and gone, have I got a fiver? No. Hold, can you please hold on just one, please? I'm a single woman, please hold on one minute. Because if he hadn't have done, I'd have jotted down the bus number straight away. And then let me go to the cash point. Quite clearly, he didn't have enough time. Perhaps he was on, you know, times. I don't know. We don't know anything like that at all. We have no idea what the reason was. Nobody on the bus was prepared to give her 20 pence. We don't know what the situation was because we weren't there. I would, you know, if I'd been like that, I might have been a bit verbal, I'm afraid. I might have been a bit verbal. A lot of people saying that they would give 20 pence. Khaled is an ex-bus driver. And he would have let her on, wouldn't you, Khalid? Yes, I would. You would have. And did you do this a lot, or did you do it a lot? Well, uh, when I used to work as a bus driver, I mean, I used to look at the uh, person. Mm. If they're really vulnerable, I just let them on. Yeah. I have no issues letting them on on the bus. But at the same time, they got a few passengers who just abused the system and would ask for a yellow ticket, mm. which is the free ride. Now, can you get into... Just supposing a situation is, I actually get on the bus and you go, just go and sit down, just go and sit down. If an inspector gets on and does a head count, do you get into trouble because you've not got the money that matches? Yes. 
I would right. get in trouble, and the company would pay for four hundred and forty pounds per passenger. Right. As a fine. Right. Oh, right. Oh, blimey. So, it's, so, yeah. it's, so, in other words, the thing that the thing that you would do is just issue a yellow ticket. Yes, I would. I would, but because it takes time, I just let them on and just drive on. Right. Right. It, it, it consumes. It consumes three to four minutes. And, and three to four minutes, that's quite a lot of time yes. in a bus world. Yes. Well, that, that's what I, I, I said that earlier on. I said, but so, so Arriva's policy was that you have to write out somebody's name and address. Well, you don't have the time to do that. No, we don't. We don't, especially morning time or yeah. night time. Because we're running on a time schedule. We've got, like, 40 minutes to get from A to B. Yes. And if, if, if we don't keep up with that time, we'll use mileage. And this is how the company actually get paid, by oh. mileage from A to B. And would you ever have have given the money yourself to make the money up? So if it was a if it was a five pound fare and she only had four eighty, would you have added the twenty pence? Yeah, sometimes I would have done that. Yeah, right. I would. And do people? I, I mean, that's, 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 that's me. As, I mean, it all depends on on, on, on the person, on the yes. attitude of the person. Yeah. If they were genuinely short of money, I was just like, okay, give me what you have. I issue a ticket and I pay the rest from my own pocket. Yeah. I'll do that. That's I think problem. you're right, though. I think you're right. You actually look at somebody and you can sum them up quite quickly. Are they a genuine case or are they taking the mickey? Yes, but, I mean, 70% out of the time, it's just fake fake passengers. They just want to abuse the system, get on the bus for free. Yeah. And, and, and just, it's, it's a headache. It's a headache. That's yeah. why I get... I mean, I have to be honest, Khaled. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to do it, especially not, not driving a night bus. No, no, it's, 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 it's real. It's, it's a lot of bureaucracy in, 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 in the Arriva. Yeah policy it is very very interesting because I, i've seen what 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 a reaver have, have said about it it's nice to hear from a from an ex-bus driver an ex-bus driver but uh, i know i know current bus drivers in in twickenham i know quite a few of the guys and i know quite a number of the inspectors peter and ivor i know i know quite a number of people and brian of course at twickenham station but he he gets people there they must stop people on a daily basis who are trying to get through with fraudulent tickets you would think in this day and i mean i, I find it unbelievable that somebody would sort of you know, pinch from a pound shop, but I've seen people pinching from Poundland, and you think to yourself, you must be so... Bl-. But I think it's the art of pinching, isn't it? And now you know that students get on the bus and they just ask for these yellow tickets. I've lost my thing, I need a yellow ticket. And you think... I've seen the inspectors taking people off buses before now, because obviously if somebody is a, is, is a, a regular user of the buses and they don't, they don't want to pay, then you have to sort it out. But it's this, it's this 20 pence. You just heard from Khalid. He would use his judgment to say, oh, just go and sit down. You know, I, I probably would have taken £4.80 in and, get, and put 20 pence in out of my own pocket. I probably would have done that if I'd been driving the bus. But we don't know the circumstances. And the reason we don't know the circumstances is because it happened at Christmas. I don't know, you know, whether drink was involved. I don't know anything. We, you know, if, if, if you're a bus driver sitting there and you might have thought, yes, I'll let you on, and somebody maybe becomes abusive, then you might change your mind about something. You don't know. Bus drivers have to put up with an awful lot of rubbish. Let me tell you, and especially on a night bus. Now, Nottingham, as you know, is student central. The whole of Nottingham is full of students. I mean, absolutely. You have to ask the question, why was she out by herself late at night? I would have got in a taxi. I would have, you know, if the bus had gone and there's a long wait between them. And Nottingham at night isn't the most pleasant place, I know, because I spent a few years up there. I know exactly what it's like. It is just a lot. It's like going to Leeds. God, a ghastly place. Oh, you don't ever want to go to Leeds. Oh, hot students. Drunk. It's like being on a Club 1830 holiday. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Good Lord, is that Tom Cruise? He's had surgery. Why does he look younger? Tom Cruise is looking sick. He's got a new... um, uh, film out. It's called Rock of Ages, where he plays a, a rock god. I mean, he must be... He's about my age, isn't he? 40-something. <coughs> Sorry. And, um... 
Why does he look better than I do? Anyway, so um, so now you've heard from bus drivers. We've heard from, you know, from Arriva. I want to know, ladies, whether or not you're, you're going to be honest with me this morning. You know when you go out on a Friday or a Saturday and you buy a frock, an expensive frock, have you ever just worn it and then taken it back, saying it's not suitable? There's a report in the paper today that says one in eight women, that's you, yes, you, missus, will wear an expensive new frock and then take it back to the shop. And I was talking to Sven, who does coffee downstairs in, uh, in Global's reception, and he used to work in a shop selling carpets, and I used to sell carpets years and years ago. And the one thing we knew, on a, on a, on a Saturday night or a Saturday evening or lunchtime, somebody would come into the shop, and, and if they had an account, they were allowed to, to take a rug home. And, and you used to look at them and they'd go, oh, I, I need a rug... Um, and you'd, you'd turn back the stack. It would take like an hour and a half. You'd have fluff all over the place. It was very annoying. And they'd go, I'll have that one. And so you'd, you'd wrap it up. And, uh, and you would know, because they hadn't spent a lot of time working out what furniture was actually going on. It You knew that they were actually taking it. But come Monday morning, they'd be on the phone going, uh, it doesn't quite look right. You knew they had visitors over the weekend. People used to come in and deliberately take rugs and bits of furniture so that they could use it over the weekend to impress... Televisions especially... Costco used to be awash with people, especially if there was football on, people buying these giant televisions. The moment the football finished, taking it back. So they put a block on that one very quickly, because it's surprising how much people will tell lies in this day and age. Adults will, will tell lies. And unfortunately, in the case of uh, rugs, a lot of people used to take rugs home, and then they would have them, and we'd have to go and collect them as well. So it cost money. So one in eight women would go out and buy an expensive new frock, and they'd take it back. It's a bit like renting. So you spend two, three hundred pounds on something, and then, then come the money, you go, that's not really suitable. I'm sorry, can I have my money back? And you think, I don't know. I mean, legally, shops are under no obligation to take something back unless it's faulty or, you know, I mean, you, can't, you, you cannot take something back just because the colour isn't right, because you bought it in the first place. That's up to you to make, you know, the right decision on the right colour. Only if something is faulty, if it's falling apart, or if it's bad stitching or buttons are coming, all sorts of things like that, then you can take something back to the shop, and then legally they have to change it. If it's not of merchantable quality, you know, you're, you're going to be out on a limb on that one. So it's no good taking it back going, it just doesn't suit me. And you go, well, I'm sorry, you should have thought about that. Although, I mean, th- the best a shop can do if they know you is off you with a, with a credit note. But to be honest with you, most people want their money back. And that's why shoplifting, they, 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 they've had to cut down because you get professional shoplifters who go out, shoplift something, take it straight away to the counter and get their money back. There was that sh- the woman who used to appear on the television all the time and she shoplifted M&S. And they knew her in there because she looked like an M&S customer. She looked well-heeled and she would go in there. She would pick up a coat, you know, 80, 90 pounds. She'd put a little bit of lipstick on the collar, an old bus ticket in the pocket and a a couple of sweet wrappers. And she would shoplift it and then take it. She didn't even go out the shop. Took it straight to uh, to the cash desk to get her money back. And they knew she'd shoplifted it, but because they couldn't prove it, she got her money back every time. And you had shop assistants going, I know she shoplifted this, and she brought it back in. And she used to appear on the television. I mean, I mean, the woman was a blooming menace. And she would trawl the country. She'd go deliberately to M&S. Because she, and she would stand there, and because she had the guts to do it, she would argue with them. I want my money back. And she'd do it in a loud... Of course, little, little shop... Oh, sorry, sorry. Thinking she might be somebody important. No, she was just a tea leaf. Just a tea leaf with a big mouth on her. She might even be dead now. I've got no idea. 
But uh, she's out there, probably. Just watch her. The other thing that's on the high street at the moment, the changing town centres, apart from coffee shops. Coffee shops everywhere. What else is, is on the high street that you never saw about a year ago? Pawn shops. Pawn shops are everywhere. Buy something, take it in, get some money for it. They're everywhere. Now, I mean, bookmakers, I think, are the most prolific chain designed to take money away from you. Discount stores, credit unions and pawnbrokers. An increase on the high street in the last three years, I would think, would be something like 20% pawnbrokers. Cash converters. Take something and you don't use anymore, convert it into cash. You know, jewellery, take it in, convert it to cash. We've seen all the adverts on the television for gold. Bring your gold in, we will melt it down in front of you and we will give you scrap value. Have you ever been to any of these places? 0845 6060 973. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Monday morning and I'll tell you again, it's wet. OK, very, very wet. News with Holly next. On FM, on Allen. So we're trying to find out, ladies, if you're honest this morning, as one in eight of you will go out onto the high street if you've got a special occasion and you'll buy a lovely new expensive frock and then you take it back to the shop after you've worn it. Shameful. Shameful. Apparently, uh, you know, it's understandable people are tightening their belts. Some people see nothing the matter with it. They see it almost like a renting situation, except the shop gets no benefit out of it whatsoever. One minute they've taken your money and you've got the dress. The next minute the dress goes back and you've got your money back. So you haven't even paid anything for renting it. Um, deliberately buying clothes to wear and then returning is wrong, and shop assistants are on the lookout for the sign. You know, you have to check, don't you? Smelling the frock, I suppose, would be the first thing. See if somebody's put perfume on, because generally speaking, if you go out, you're going to do a bit of all over, aren't you? Aren't you, Sylvia? Oh, wait a minute. We've lost. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sylvia, I have to come back to you in a minute. OK, so bear with me. Just bear with me just one minute. It's only because there's nobody sitting there, so otherwise I'm, I'm happily talking away to myself, I'm afraid, at the moment. So, Sylvia, hang on one second. I'll be with you in a moment. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, just just quickly, just before we go to Sylvia, Paul was talking about uh, Rizzle Kicks. And I did see them on Alan Carr's show with Carol Vorderman. Very odd. How old is Carol Vorderman? Dr Christian, slightly worried. Uh, David Walliams, who's definitely very worrying. And, uh, and Justin Bieber, who didn't understand what on earth was going on at all. Poor soul. Sylvia, now we can go to you. Sil- hang on, wait a minute, I shall try again. Sylvia? Yes. Thank I'm you. I've a friend of mine. Yeah. She was go- can I name the name of the catalogue? No. Oh, right. No. Well, I had a friend, and she used to... Uh, it's quite an expensive catalogue. Right, OK. out. Yeah. What she used to do, if she was going to a wedding, she used to order a two-piece or a dress and a, a, a coat to match and a handbag and all the accessories, but not shoes, because you can't take, you know, because you mark no. the soles of the shoes. Mm. She used to t- wear them to the wedding, come home, then the next day she used to put them out the line so any perfume smells used to go away, then she used to pack them up and send them back. And she, every, she used to do it every time she went to some type of function. Good God. Never it's obviously far more common than I realise. Terrible. Have you ever done it, Sylvia? Oh, no. You promise? what are you doing? She said, well, I can't pay for this. She said, it's £200 for a suit in this catalogue. Yeah. She said, so So she said, well, I just ordered it, wear it for the day, take, put it out on the line the next morning so that any perfume smells went. And she said, no, I used to pack it up and send it back and said, it didn't fit. Because that'd, be th- that'd be the thing if, if, if I was a shop owner I'd be looking for, if it smelt of perfume or if there was any deodorant under yes, the arm. You know, Yes, yes, they do. Powder, like a white powder. Yes, yes. So she used to do it all the 
time. The only thing she couldn't get away with was shoes. Yes, because shoes, the moment you've walked in them... Yeah, you mark the soles. You mark the soles, yes. She used to order expensive designer handbags. Oh, God. Wear it to the wedding or christening or anything. And then the next day she used to say to me, oh, I've hung it out on the line. She used to say to me, I've passed it all up. She said, no, I'm taking it down to the post office to post it back. Or she used oh, to get no. the courier. Yeah. To come and collect it. Oh, mind you, I, I think there is a huge problem with with people ordering mail order things. I did hear of a story of somebody who used to uh, order stuff from mail order catalogues, have it delivered, but pretend not to be in when it was being delivered. So the courier would leave it. He used to put a note on the door saying, "Just leave it here," and would leave it, and then he would take it in and then then pretend it never arrived. And so, and would actually get it for free and say, listen, I haven't actually got this, this thing yet. And they'd say, well, well, the courier left it on the door. He said, well, it's not here now, is it? And I knew somebody used to work for one of the big newspapers in their prizes department. And people used to phone up and they'd say, uh, my prize never arrived. And so they would send out a replacement because it was only something cheap. But, uh, but if, if people became habitual, they would go, no, terribly sorry. They'd go, well, I haven't got it yet. And they'd go, well, tough. You haven't got it. My brother used to sell a lot of stuff on eBay. And I said, do you never get people sort of phoning up saying it never arrived? He said, only once. He said, does somebody phone up and say, listen, nothing's arrived. And, uh, and that was it. Because then no matter how many times I use the post office, I've never lost anything. Never lost anything. And you know me, I put money in the post and everything. I sent all sorts of I've never lost anything yet. The only thing I ever lost was some blasted pens from Germany, which really annoyed me so much. <laughs> they're, they're, they're pens for... Um, uh, those fibre writers, whatever they call them, those, um, I can't remember what they're called now, but it's like a cover, and you put the uh, the fibre writer in there, and then you screw it together, and it looks like a really expensive pen. It looks fabulous, actually. It looks really good. And uh, I'll try and find out what they're called, because I, I tried to find them the other day. I was having a bit, a bit of a bit of a mare of a day, I'm afraid. Noreen says uh, she's at pool in Dorset. We arrived Saturday, just got lost once. Or twice. She said, we did find a shop that did all the old records, the record players, the cassette players, the olden days. Then we found an old-fashioned sweet shop. Dolly mixtures, sugar mice, flying saucers, and then we saw it. Peanut brittle. Yes, memories of dear Giles, my former producer, who goes on holiday uh, to Kefalonia. And what is the specialty? It's peanut brittle. He brings it back. And this peanut brittle, I kid you not, is like half an inch thick. It comes in a special box. Well, I love peanut brittle. I, lo- I mean, really bad for diabetes. It's not good for anybody, actually. This thing, it took out three crowns, two fillings. It cost me the best part of £1,800 to have it all put back in again. Ever since then, we swore blind that we're never going to uh, eat peanut brittle again. But uh, he was never allowed to forget, I'm afraid, poor soul. And love to Joanne, Paul in Sunbury's cousin. She's Paulie. That's from all her friends on Facebook. She knows who we are. Good, good, good. So, well done. It's a wonder why we've not heard from, from Joe for a little while. But anyway, I hope you are uh, well. And um, what else was I going to uh, mention? Oh, yes, Tony Blackburn's not very well at the moment either. So, um, speedy recovery to you. In fact, he's got pneumonia. Oh, blimey. Well, it's Corrine's. It's Corrine is the same, Corrine and Tony. So, uh, good luck to, uh, to Tony. I like to you know, check on people every so often. Poor soul, listening to this programme, picking up a few hints. Uh, and uh, Leslie... Leslie says, uh, just to let you know, your interview with Videl Sassoon was one of your best. And you said, what a charming man. I was his assistant as I was learning my trade at Vidal's. And I became one of his stylists at his salon. By learning my trade, I went to cut the Beatles' hair. So thank you for, uh, for a great interview. He's got a website. It's called beetleshairdresser.com. 
How cool is that, Leslie? How cool is that? And you can see early photos at the salon and clients I used to cut. So there you go. So that's Leslie Cavendish, Beatleshairdresser.com. You never know who's listening to this programme, do you? You never know who's listening. Oh, dear me. 84850, uh Let's do a couple more of your uh, texts and emails. I did laugh, actually, at uh, Rizzle Kicks on the programme, doing this Mama Do the What's It thing, and looking at Justin Bieber, who didn't... Uh, there was so much rudeness going on on the programme, as you can imagine, with Alan Carr and David Walliams. Justin Bieber sat there looking slightly bemused and a little bit frightened, I thought. A little bit frightened. I like it. Uh, do shop assistant, says Helen, still hold up the return garment, sniff and declare loudly. Sorry. Obviously been warned. B.O. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, one here says, there you'll be one day on a bus full of diabetics. You've lost your insulin. No one will give you a dose. You slip into a coma. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? Nice to know you're a caring, sad, lonely person, I'm afraid. And uh, it's, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work like that. People tend, people tend not to, uh, to share insulin, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul says, I recently had a couple of ounces of scrap gold, like broken jewellery and stuff, found on a house clearance. I tried all the high street chains, and they all paid around £6 per gram for nine-carat gold. So I went to a dealer and paid the live price, which is £12.64. Yeah, you've got to be careful with these gold companies. They're not doing it in your best interests, I have to tell you because you're paying scrap prices. 14 past six. LBC 97.3. Oh, dear. 18... No, it's not. It's 19 minutes past six. Monday morning, it's uh, it's Amber Alert, which means it's going to be very, very wet. It's going to be very, very miserable, I'm afraid. And, uh, and it's, not, it's not going to be pleasant at all. So take an umbrella out today. We've, we've now discovered that, um, that hardly any of you apart from on text, would actually pay 20 pence for, uh, for this poor girl on the bus who didn't have the fare. I didn't realise it was as much as £4.80 or £5. And, uh, and then we discovered that up north people would have done that. It's a night bus, so I assumed people being a bit drunk might have gone, yeah, 20 pence, I'd have done that. But it turns out not to be, I'm afraid. And uh, now we discover that one in eight ladies will wear an expensive new frock, then take it back to the shop. Something men would never do. Men, I mean, as far as I know, it's, only, it's a lady thing. It's only a lady thing that ladies will buy it, and as you've just heard, uh, one particular lady who would actually go out there, order stuff from a catalogue, and, uh, and everything for a wedding, or whatever it happens to be, and wear it, and then hang it up on the line, which would then take away all the smell of the perfume, and then send it back again. Or worse still, contact the courier company to come and collect it and take it back. I've never heard of anything like it. Never heard of anything like it. Also, if you've sold any uh, any broken jewellery, lots of scrap, the, the, the adverts appear to have disappeared off the television recently. I suppose because after a while people ran out of scrap jewellery. And that's what they did. People would sit there at home and they'd say, look, convert it into, into money. Unfortunately, it wasn't very much money. And so a lot of the newspapers started doing exposures on the companies saying... Right, we actually took this bracelet, this and this, and we knew it was worth £200, and we sent it off to all these different companies. The danger was, with a lot of the companies, that even before you'd had a chance to complain about the thing, it was scrapped. It had gone completely, so there was no chance of you ever getting it back. It was just the price you were haggling over. And some people were mortally disappointed. I think for £200 worth of jewellery, the price went from something like £12 up to, I think, about uh, 97 because you never get what it's worth, because they're selling it to melt down. They're not remotely interested, whether it's your great-aunt Winifred's or anybody else's. They're only interested in melting it down to make something else, which is a, which is a, great, a great shock to me whenever I watch the Antiques Roadshow on the television and I look at people taking things in and I always think, well, what did they have the other day? Which was like, oh, lots of little toy cars. 
but they were all in the packaging, in the original packaging. And this man had kept them for years. For years and years, there was a Telly Savalas car and stuff. And I thought, well, I thought toy cars fetched a lot of money. Whenever I've been to any of the toy collector's fairs, they seem to be going for huge amounts of money. And I remember looking at it thinking, this has got to be good. And they went, probably about 60 or 70 pounds for all of them. So, of course, I was mortified. And they go, and if we put a reserve of 50, and I thought, hardly worth hanging on to them for all that time. I mean, I, you, you feel like saying to these people, oh, take it home, for God's sake. And yet some people have got a bit of Moorcroft or something like that, or some of these uh, asymmetrical vases. I'm sure we had them years ago. We haven't got them now. I don't know where they went. But uh, all that kind of stuff, which came from sort of different potteries, which became famous. People know, you know, I've got some Claris Cliff. Yes, but sadly, you know, you can always tell what's coming next. You know, I've got some Claris Cliff. And they go, yes, but of course, this was her least popular design. <laughs> And that's the one thing that you worry about. That is the one thing you take it in there. Because I'm always waiting for somebody to go and they go, this is a long forgotten Picasso. Or this is something. And we don't get those anymore. You get a few things that are in, uh, are in sort of uh, collections that people have got. And I look at them and I say, oh, wonderful. And I love going past antique shops and looking at all this rubbish in there with no prices on. Nobody puts prices on at all. I've had things not delivered and I've sent things back. They say they never received. They're so rude when it happens, says Dee. Uh, in between, you know, the sending things back and the, and the gold, because they're... And they set up anywhere now. There's one in, in Kingston, in a dry cleaner's. You've got a dry cleaner, and then a little desk to one side where he buys gold. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Very odd. High Street paying £7 maximum. Because when, when you actually look at the price of, of gold, it's amazing how little you actually get when you take it in there. And, and they sell it all over the place, and it's, it's just a bit embarrassing, really. You must, I mean, I always think that people must really, really need the money. If they're actually, uh, if they're actually taking stuff in and and selling it, which is a shame. Eight four eight five zero stevenlbc dot co dot uk. Talking about on the uh, the buses, uh, one here it says. Uh, speaking from memory, it was three a.m. when this woman got on the bus after leaving a party. I, as a driver, would have let her on as a passenger. I'd have given her twenty pence. Yeah, I mean, I, that is the trouble, isn't it? It's it's you have to. The bus driver has got to suss somebody out fairly quickly. Are they genuine or are they taking the mickey? You heard earlier on from a bus driver who I know very well, and he said students just play the game and they just ask for a yellow ticket because they've, they've lost their pass. They haven't. They're just playing the game. That's all it is. And I suppose, really, if there's loads of them, you know, uh, you know, then you have to sort of, you just have to let them on because you're assuming they're being genuine, but of course they're not. I was on a train approaching Twickenham yesterday, says Judy. The guard made an announcement saying, please observe the quiet zone in the carriage. Keep noise to a minimum. I hate it. You know, when you get on there and it's got quiet zone on the door, you get on and there's some idiot on the blooming phone. And you think, I always point to the phone. I always go, excuse me, there's, there's no phones in here. Get off the train. And I generally pick them up bodily and I throw them. Sometimes the doors aren't even open. I just throw them through the window because I get so annoyed when people just can't you know, observe the... That's why we're all sitting in the quiet carriage. We're in there because we don't want to listen to your conversation with people back home in Peckham or something like that. I'm not interested. I don't care, I'm afraid. Just keep it quiet. Um, Almost all the people on night buses are either asleep or going to sleep, says James Romford. Well, I'm I'm reliably informed, or drunk is a fairly popular thing on a night bus. That's why they get the night bus. I see them round here. We're going to the night bus. You know they can barely see the bus when it comes. Uh, Steve, I'm a Londoner living up in the northeast, County Durham. I can assure you up here, unless they know you, they certainly wouldn't pay your bus fare. You just get the strangest stare and then totally ignored. Very strange people. Very strange. Yes, I mean, I can understand that. I can understand that. Uh, Sharpies, they're called Sherpa. 
Thank you. Well, there's this lovely German company, the Sharpies. Thank you. I, I couldn't remember what they were called. Fibre writers. And I bought a few of them. They look really good. In fact, I gave one to Daniel Radcliffe. God, such a creep. Such a, I had to give it to Daniel Radcliffe. How embarrassing, honestly. We love Daniel Radcliffe. Weather for today. Would you like to know? Here we go. Just in case I hadn't told you before, there is a warning from the Met Office of heavy rain, leaving difficult driving conditions and a risk of localised thudding. And there's me thinking sunbathing weather. Heavy thunderstorms developing in the afternoon where any rain clears. The high 14 centigrade, currently it's 12. Tonight the thunderstorms will fade away slowly, leaving light and patchy rain overnight, minimum 9 degrees. Tomorrow, overcast with outbreaks of rain. So in other words, tomorrow it's going to be wet as well. OK, just I'll tell you about that. And for Wednesday, Thursday, light winds, sunny intervals and isolated light showers. And Friday, spells of rain... Feeling cool, OK? So it's just wet, wet, wet all the way through, isn't it? Not a lot you can do about it. But it is flaming June. 84850, steve at uh, 84850, steve at LBC, or 08456060973. Actually, on the subject of, uh, of money... I can see why the bus driver didn't help, says Bob, but I see no reason for the passengers not assisting a lady at that time of night. I know, well, quite clearly in Nottingham, they don't ha- uh, are any respecter of, of women whatsoever, I'm afraid, which is, uh, which is a, a great shame. Uh, Susie said, I'm just putting my heating on. Yeah, my friend phoned me the other night, so I'm just putting the heating on. I said, you are having a laugh, aren't you? Uh, Joseph says, women who buy clothes, wear them once and then take them back are definitely not ladies. Well, you think it's men. You think it's like Alex Reed or somebody like that. And, and Dawn says, not just women. My partner's had a suit from a well-known shop and taken it back a couple of days later. Oh, good grief. Terrible. I was in M&S, says CJ. Uh, I was in M&S after Christmas. A gentleman returning a jacket and two pairs of trousers. He said they fitted when they bought them but were now so tight he wanted a refund. He'd obviously worn them and couldn't understand why they weren't giving him his money back. Yes, I, mean, I, I hate people like that. It drives me mad, I'm afraid. It drives me mad. Uh, the toy cars were from the 70s and 80s. The money is peanuts. However, toy cars from the 50s and 60s, when Corgi and Dinky were turning out mostly non-plastic toys, the prices rise considerably. Well, these weren't plastic. I mean, I used to have all the metal toys. And we just gave them away. Never thought about keeping the blooming things. Uh, another one says, uh, my son went to three different shops. He was offered 200, 500, and the last shop he was offered 700 pounds. So he took the third offer. It was gold he was no longer going to use. I love it when they say it's gold you're no longer going to use. I mean, what is gold? I mean, who, I mean, what, using it for what? I never quite understand that at all. It's all very, very bizarre, isn't it? I've got some old gold lying around in my drawers or something like that, which I don't wear anymore. You think, well, I shall take it in and get it all uh, all changed. Uh, front page of the Daily Mail, quickly, before we finish the programme this morning. Birthday boy Damien. This is Damien Hurst, his partner of 19 years. Maya Norman has left him for somebody else. Uh, the bad news is for her, they weren't ever married, apparently. They weren't married, so that's quite interesting. Beware the spy in the sky. Apparently they can film you sunbathing in, in your back garden. A little bit worried by that. Slightly perturbed, I'm afraid. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Richard and Judy reveal all. Oh, dear God, I hope not. It's almost an embarrassment, isn't it? And Strictly Brawl Room, uh, Chelsea. Uh, some dance star got into a brawl with a woman at a pizza shop. No surprise to me, ladies and gentlemen. The Daily Express, Zara's Olympic dream is alive. And Britain wants Charles as king. And there's the story of the 91-year-old rear gunner who's not being allowed to go to the opening of a memorial because they've got no more tickets. Our advice to the company was find tickets. 
as simple as that. He's 91. He must be the only person alive who was a rear gunner. And if they don't get him there, the papers will play merry hell. Have a lovely, lovely day. Nick and the team. Nick is back. He'll be with you just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. John McKenty will be looking at the uh, papers. Coming up very shortly on LBC 97.3. Susan Bookbinder is here with the morning news. I'm Peter Goody, joint MD of...